Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Six o'clock on the fan. Boomer and uh, Carton here, coming from the Investors Bank studio. And speaking of Investors Bank, you know there was a time when uh, when I came to New York and well, here there, was we another, go. there was another quarterback wearing blue that nobody knew who he was. Now I will say he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He was a Super Bowl MVP. He had one of the greatest performances in quarterback history when it comes to the biggest game. So people recognized him for his brilliance on the field. But where was the brilliance off the field? That's what I always wondered. Where was the personality? Where is the guy that we know today that's got an edge to him, that's always bitching about something? Where is the guy today that he and his son just go after each other all the time when they're here intermittently sitting in for either me or Craig? Well, I got him here today, and I am so proud to say that I am a part of a green team with you, the Investors Bank uh, folks who are taking over our studio here. And it is none other than the great... Phil Sims. Oh, okay, now you're going to buy into that. We don't refer to Phil as Phil Sims. Yes, the great yeah. Phil Sims. He started that. Uh, you know, Boomer, great to be here with you. And look, I was spending all my energy and being a player, not yes. about worrying about off the field stuff. Got it. <clears throat> Sometimes it just distracts from the performance. Let me ask you a question. Field. Did you hire my agent? Uh, yes. Okay, then I, that's all okay. I got to say. Well, well, me... And he wasn't doing contracts for you, you know, with the Giants. He was doing contracts for you off the field. I have like McDonald's commercials. <laughs> I remember doing a Wiz commercial with you. You're a pain in the ass to work with. Wait, you wait. had to have your own trailer. You had to have your own makeup person. I mean, you were <laughs> so high maintenance, it wasn't even funny. Okay, here we are. Yes. A minute 50 in the show, and you haven't shut up well, yet. <laughs> And I'm not going to shut up all day long. But I, yeah, hey, wait, a couple things. Yes, go ahead. I, I, I do thank you for your agent and all that. Yes. And, and unfortunately, what you're saying, you love telling everybody this story. But unfortunately, it is true. That oh, you're finally coming I around. Admit, yeah, what was that first commercial we did? McDonald's. It was a McDonald's. Commercial, I was in yes. a golf court, a golf cart, and you had the chases. Yeah, I was running after you. Yeah, you were running that because you wanted the hamburger. Uh, you, I, yeah. I, I think it was a quarter pounder with cheese. Actually, <laughs> yeah, is what it was. Yeah, I've seen you've eaten quite a few of them. Oh, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate that. Two minutes into the show, and you're already insulting no, the no, host. No, no, I'm not. But it's just listen. I watched the show yesterday. Yesterday was like the first little break. You know, I had the All-Star game like you did. You had your high school All-Star game over in Jersey. It takes a lot out of you, yes. Whoa, man. I mean, this, it's it's energy. So it's, is it North and South Jersey? Is that how you break it up? Right, North versus South. And then yes. um, who won the game? The South won. They were just... 
you know, there's they got a chip on the shoulder. The South, they're part gritty. Of New yeah, 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 okay. And it, it shows when you watch even an All Star game. The kids were so into it. So it was great. And um, but yesterday, yes. watching you on the show, Jerry Recco, you were so happy. What do you I mean? mean? What do you mean? Know, I'm so happy. You were just because. Because you just couldn't stop talking because <laughs> this guy that sits in this chair here yes. wasn't here interrupting you and whatever. So yes. You, I, get, you, I get a lot of free time now when he's not around. I was going like, to say, take a breath. Like, you're going to pop. Nibbling <laughs> at my ankles the whole time. Yes, there's no question about but it. But it's good to sit and uh, a couple things I've learned. I got here this morning. and uh, you know, What time did you get here this morning? I got here early. I you went, know, you're like an old man. You got here like at what, 3.30? No, I got here about 5. Oh, okay. But um, you worried I, about traffic or something? I'm just a boomer. I played what? 15 years in a league. I never got fined once for anything. Well, no, I'm sorry. The league fined me for my socks. Okay. But the team never fined well, me. You, know, you were never late for a meeting, which is never. the way you should never be late. No quarterback should ever be late for a meeting. No quarterback should ever miss a practice. No quarterback should ever be a wall. Every quarterback, if he's out with his offensive lineman the night before and they're going knee deep into it, knows that, you know what? I still have to get up and I still have to post the next morning. You know what? You interrupted my thought and I can't. Oh, no, I got it now. I was going to say, I already forgot my thought because you just I'm rudely interrupted. That's okay. That's good. Did you oh, play? what do you see Sundays this year? This is going to oh, be geez. great. I'm going to just going to clamp you down, man. I mean, it's going to be funny. Okay. What are you talking about? Wait. What for, game are you watching? Let me get this out of my mouth before I forget it, and then we'll get into that. So I walk into your office, and you know there were some things in there, and a little alcohol and stuff. And then I walked into Craig's office. <laughs> I looked in that refrigerator. I'm not going to tell you what all was in there. Oh, it's a mess, man. His man. office is brutal, man. There's no question about it. Yes, he is uh, He is a like a, a combination of, like uh, uh, I would say, Dr. Evil, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Linus, you, you name it. He is just absolutely a mess. Is, is, is he in town? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Because I, I, when I did this and said I would love to come in and work with you a couple of days and all that, I was hoping Craig was in town because I've never had the experience of going out to dinner with him. I hear it's really kind of like Oh, a it's show. interesting. It, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. It is Captain I Chaos. See yeah, it. Your son has uh, been out, I think. Oh, yeah. He tells me stories. I go, you got to be lying. That just can't <laughs> no, be no, true. no, no. It's true. It's all over the place. Don't There's even no look at the menu. He orders like the basically the whole menu. It's just a disaster. So like your, your son, who's a very picky eater. Right, he's, yes. a, he's a very simple eater. Yes. You know, wh- whether it be his cereal in the morning or uh, his steak at night. I don't even know if it's his steak. What, what does he like? Does no, he, he likes he, he's uh, beans and chicken and yeah, all right. that he's stuff. He's not a steak yeah. guy. That's right. Because we went to the prime rib place out in San Francisco for the Super Bowl, and all they serve is prime rib. So he sat next to me. And literally five minutes into the dinner, he, he looked and said, there's nothing else here that I'm leaving. And he got up and, and left. He left. And he left. Nice. He just, oh. It's kind of like you. you. That's usually what you do. Oh, yeah. You usually get up and leave. But, you know, in all seriousness, uh, it's great to have you on here, Phil. And it's going to be great to be working with you on Sunday afternoons on the NFL today. I don't know about how all this transpired and everything else. All I know is that the powers that be found you a home because Tony Gonzalez decided he didn't want to come back. Right. And it just makes total sense. And your life is going to be so much better for it. I'm looking forward nah. to it. I really am. What were you going to say back there? Yeah, no, no, that's anything. Nah. That's, yeah, that's Jim Nance. But just, just that's oh, Jim Nance. Oh. Yes. Nah. That's your buddy. Okay. Nah. Hello, friends. Jim Nance. <laughs> but 
Just think, some weeks yes. we could do Monday QB yeah. inside the NFL and then have the NFL today. That'd be a little bit too much. That'd be a That'd lot. Be a little bit it's too much. Be a lot, man. I, I would just say this now, and I'm going to go on record saying it. By November 1st, I'm going to be so sick and tired of you, it's not even going to be funny. Well, I'm surprised it'd take that long, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> We're going to come out blazing, I know. That's why I'm going to watch everything I say, because I like for it to be spontaneous when we Good go on the Good luck with air. that. Yeah. Well, I, I know one thing, that uh, once the games start, and you sit there and you watch watch all the games, you're going to miss the initial foray into uh, doing the game yourself and being live at the game. Sure. But the fact that you don't have to travel, the fact that you could stay home, the fact that you can go to high school football games, which I know you love to do over in New Jersey, the fact that you could actually go out to dinner on a Saturday night without feeling the pressure of worrying about what you're going to say the next day, yeah. doing again, which I know you love as well. Uh, but the NFL today is a, it's just a great family. You're going to fit in perfectly and you're going to love it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I think I'm looking forward to it in many aspects of travel of course um when i when they made the switch and they told me i was going to be in the studio i there was something i said oh my gosh i can cover the league yes Instead exactly of just yeah. like focusing on one or two games and the travel did it's yeah a, it, it's a you know like you and i doing the nfl uh inside the nfl over on showtime that's why i was so much better prepared than you were because i i get to see all the games you only get to do one game and two teams well it just never came out on the air like that i want to tell you big man but you know the other thing is yes. it's and we would always talk we talk always during the when we set up one spot in inside the nfl yeah. and go to the next and of course i talk about the game i just did or the one i'm doing because you know, there's nothing like, which I really will miss, being at practice, standing next to a coach like Bill Belichick, and he just tells you everything. And, you know, just because he trusts that, you. Well, he well, trusts you. That's why. He trusts me, I guess. But a lot of coaches do that. And, you know, I'm allowed to walk around the field and talk to players. Right. And, they, you know, they never give me the evil eye. Now, there are some coaches out there that here's your spot. Stand in it. Don't move. Don't talk. And don't say a word to a player. But the majority of them are very free with it, and it's just – it gives you a whole – first off, you really learn everything about the game because right. you know what Friday practices are like. What do you do? You rehearse the game. Exactly. You see the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. so you see it all. So I'm going to miss that. And just hearing things that I would never have thought of talking about or – uh, they came to my mind preparing for him, so I'll miss that part. So I try to make up. Have for you it. Uh, have you spoken to Tony Romo yet at all? Yes, you yeah. have. All right. So uh, do you give him any advice? Do you tell him, look, this is the pitfalls. These are the things you're going to watch. Uh, need to watch out for. And as my voice is gone already, uh, how about the fact that uh, liquor will do that? Uh, well, <laughs> didn't have any last night. But uh, how about the fact that it's going to be. An issue when he goes to meet a team, like say the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't, I don't know who's on his schedule or something. Where the coaches in those particular situations Ooh. are not going to trust the fact that he's still very close with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Yeah, do you, do you think that's an issue for him uh, initially? There will be some. I, that's a good. I haven't thought about that, but yes, there will be some of those instances because he's so close to the Dallas Cowboys and they still talk about him and you know who knows what. But um, he'll find his way around it and. I had it a little bit when I came out. The 49ers in 1995, I think it was, in 1996, I was with NBC. We go to practice. They're playing maybe the Jets that weekend. I'm not sure. But they stopped practice when I walked out. Really? And stood and looked yeah. at me. And I went, okay, I'm going to stand here and look at you. 
And George Seifert was the head the head coach. Then he came to CBS, which I thought was interesting after that when his career was over out there. But I stood there as long as I could and basically said a few words. And I said, okay, let's go. And then I talked about on the next day on the air how well they treated us. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but so you know, fun. you and I both know just how uh, I would say paranoid coaches are. Yeah, that's that the they, word. They think people are filming their their practices. They think there's people up in the trees with uh, you know, yeah, uh, f- photographs. And, 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 and listen, a lot of it I understand. I will tell you right now. If I don't know how you would be running the football team, but if I was in charge of a team, it would be total lockdown. Really? Oh, absolutely. So, so you you would be as a broadcast, you would lament the fact that that would be total lockdown. But if you were running a team, you'd be like Belichick. Is that is is he alive? But he but he'll allow you to go to practice. Though. Oh yeah, no, he's great with the broadcasters and that, and, right? And especially because you know he's an unbelievable football historian. Yeah. So he thinks if you tried hard and did the best you could, right? He will open the doors. So for he'll you. have respect for you. But when I'm in there, there, just to give you an example, because that's they're the greatest example. I do not see one other person, it with not a fan, not a friend of somebody, not a worker, nobody. When I'm on the practice field with the Patriots in meeting rooms, you never see anybody but players and coaches, and they don't either. Yeah, it's what a, people don't realize is that you should listen to Phil Sims as he's sitting in for Craig Carton this morning. What people don't realize is that there are coaches that are open. They're open to having you know people oh. bring guests to practice. Business people bringing you know sponsors out to practice and all that stuff. That's not happening in 40, New England. I, I, there, I go to some teams. There will be as many as 50 people standing around the sidelines. I would think that the I Dallas go. Cowboys would be one of those teams. Um, you know, at their big practice facility that they built now. and it's. Uh, I've only been in it once. When, when I was there, there was nobody there but just the coaches right. and, and the team. But that was early. I'm sure they marched through a lot of fans. They have. Cause I I'm, think so. I, even when they had their old complex, they would bring them through. So... But it, it, it's just whatever you believe in, but you know it, the league, everything is so close, so tough, that those little things, that, that's what makes the difference in all sports. So I, I, I haven't seen the CBS schedule yet for Sundays, and I'm not sure where Jim and Tony will be. But I, I you know, yeah, hello, friends. Jim, the answer. Out, that was the first thing that, that's the first thing that really happened to me was that I had to convince the teams that I was covering that I'm not, you know, tied back into Bruce Coslett at the time, right. who was the head coach of the Bengals. You know that yeah okay I had a nice little run there it was great uh, I'm done and and uh, I remember it's just like guys would be so careful about the information that they were giving you because I don't think they could trust you just yet they could not bring it wrap themselves or wrap around their head that yeah okay he's done playing he is now a broadcaster and while I would imagine for Tony Romo when he walks into one of these meetings it is going to be like bizarro. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of that, but it'll be okay. You know, I think, and it gets down to it. Everybody, they'll be careful what they tell you and all that stuff. But you can always read between the lines what coaches and players tell you. And the greatest thing he's going to have going for him is what? He's an ex-player. He was a quarterback. He kind of knows a little bit about everything that's going on in the field. And I remember when I first got in the business, sitting up there, I could see every play and diagnose it immediately because why? It was like watching film, right. coaches' film. Yeah, and I go, oh, they'd say the wide receiver. I go, got him. I knew what he did. Here's what he just to show the thing. I know what I got it. You know, yes. I wouldn't even ask. And so he, that it'll be like that for him. But the biggest problem he's going to have is what uh, criticizing. Well, I, I would think. Well, yeah, that's going to come no matter what you are. He's he's his his biggest problem is Jim Nance. 
No, <laughs> you're so bad. Nah. <laughs> I work with Jim too. Jim's great. So. He's gonna, he's gonna miss the game. Well, yeah. That oh part, my gosh, yeah. that first couple years, I'm going. What am I doing here? I should, I should. If I'm not gonna play, I should at least coach. Hey, what happens if Dak Prescott gets hurt? God forbid. Well, that's interesting. And you know, I would not think Tony Romo would come back to that. Everybody brings it up. You know, you know why. You just don't walk into an NFL team, no matter who you are and how good you are, and think you're going to get it together in one or two weeks. And I would imagine his family is pretty concerned about his injury propensity and right and some of the significance of the injuries that he had. But I'll tell you, when he got on the field last year against the Eagles, yeah. late in the season, yeah, he was awesome. Well, it was a short window there. The Eagles' defense had fell apart, but and he was yeah, throwing the ball beautifully. Well, listen, he's a What's the word? He works on his throwing as much as any quarterback in the NFL. Right. He can talk to you about it. And we talk uh, about it's it. Boring. I, I, it's boring. I know. Yeah, no, my it's God. It's not as boring as hockey. Hey, no, listen, let me explain something. But you're going to sit to around talking about thing. guys throwing the football. But, uh, well, you talk, do you hey, talk just about Just give me the ball. I'll throw it. I don't care. I don't care if it has laces, no laces. It's slick. It's not slick. It's aired up. It's not aired up. I could throw it. I was born to throw it. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Well, I don't that, need to talk to you about throwing. You got to refine your art. Oh, pitchers just—they just pitch. They just throw it. They no, don't care. No, that's a, that's an art as well. There's, okay, there's, there's a craft. So to there's a craft to it. The shooters just—oh, I can shoot. I'm no, not. No, you got to make sure you have the fundamentals down right. You got to make sure you have your elbow cocked in. You got to make sure that you're jumping straight up and not. You know, there's a lot of. Are stuff Are you that goes contradicting into it. yourself right, no, right not, here? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because yes. I remember the good coaches that I got along with that actually got the best out of me would always tell me. Elbow up, elbow up, you know, come over the top, and they would show me film. If I was like, got away from some of the fundamentals, they would go back and they would show me some of the stuff that I was doing and show me uh, what I'm not doing right. Well, so, that's good. I never was told any of that. Yeah, but I'm so, just telling you, uh, I could throw anything. Yeah. I don't know about you, I could throw anything. You yeah. put it in front of me, I could throw it. Yeah. And I don't care if it's a uh, you know rugby ball, a soccer ball, a baseball, a basketball, a football. It doesn't matter. Volleyball it doesn't right. matter. It's, it, listen, it's a good. You're you're coming across something I talk about all the time yeah. with draft picks. Yeah, what's that? With quarterbacks, you're either born to throw or not. Right. And don't give me one that's a made thrower. So let me ask you a question: Tim Tebow, born to throw or not? No. Right. Of course not. Aaron Rodgers, born to throw or not? Oh, I think so. Now, did Aaron Rodgers change his throwing motion? Dramatically. When he got it? People don't realize that. What did he do to change his throwing motion? Well, first off, he watched Brett Favre every day and said, hey, this guy's pretty good and it looks pretty easy and comfortable. So he changed the way he held the football, how he did. He changed everything. And, he, and what happened? He became more natural. Oh, what an interesting you know, I, thing. I read, you, uh, read a comment. You said that maybe the greatest thrower of the football that you've ever seen. I thought Brett Favre would never see another guy like that. Right. And Aaron Rodgers is the best but, but, thrower But isn't I've Aaron Rodgers like more compact? He's a more compact and quicker delivery type of guy. That's <laughs> the way he'd want to be. I think about Brett Favre as just a guy, like I just said, he could throw anything and he it could. doesn't matter. And he doesn't seem to me to be a guy that's really too worried about fundamentals. He, yeah, it was loose. But let me just say this. Brett Favre did all the things that you needed to do to be a great thrower naturally. So, you know, he kept his arm, all these things. Yeah. And he did it just like a golfer. You know, some golfers, it looks funny going back. When it comes time to hit it, they're all in the perfect spot, and so do throwers. That would be Jim uh, Furyk. Let's go to Anthony in Belleville. Anthony, you're on with Boomer and uh, Phil. What's happening? Boomer and Phil, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, 
Hey, Boomer, can you raise your hand so I know who's who over there? Yeah, yeah, here I am, over here in the black shirt, yes. Hey, you know, he wears black, and I thought I would wear white today. One, I thought maybe it'd make me look tanned. I don't know if that's that Doesn't make you look tanned. They can't see you when you got white on. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, that's too. That's why I had to raise my hand. What do you got? What, what else do you he want to He wears black wise because he thinks it's going to make him look slimmer. <laughs> Big, fat Boomer. <laughs> I, I got to listen to this all day now. Finally, the NFL today, somebody knows uh, something about football over there. Hey, hey, there we go. How about you kiss my you-know-what? Good one, Anthony. Good one. Yeah, Anthony, I'll tell you what. Anthony's taking shots. All right, 618 on the fan. Coming to you from the Investors Bank studio. Two guys on the green team now. Me and Phil, that's right. And uh, Phil's sitting in for Craig all day long today. We're going to get into some Phil Jackson stuff. The Yankees got another young guy who had an unbelievable game last night, Miguel Andahar, who went three for four. He's playing DH. I'm sure you know who he is because you're a huge Yankee fan. And Stephen Matt. Mets go seven strong innings for the New York Mets. What do you know? Both baseball teams won on the same night. It's Boomer and Carton. Mornings from 6 to 10 on the fan. Hey, uh, Phil needs a pillow for his ass. Needs something to sit on. Hemorrhoider? Probably you something like Craig. I don't have as much cushion as you. Maybe it's just old man so you have syndrome a bony or something. Is what you're saying. No, no, it's old I, man syndrome or something. What no, no, no. It's just. Well, why do you need a pillow for you? Because I want to be higher. Because I can't see some of the stuff that I've written down because the lights are too bright. Hodgkin and hemorrhoids. God. He also just called you a fat ass. Yeah, I know. He's been, he's been calling me that since he Big sat Big fat boomer. Wow. I mean, I got to deal with these thing. idiots, man. I'm telling you, know, you boomer, it's unbelievable. But listen, what? you just missed it. I actually was thinking of you last night as you watched Jerry. We were talking about this earlier. Baseball players. I mean, they got legs on them like offensive linemen. They do. And, and now, you don't anymore. But back in the day, you could have been one of those guys. I mean. Jerry, you have an update? Is this just insult to second? This is going to be like a tax city all day long. All right, we're brought to you by Brothers Supply, New York's number one source for ice, air, peat tax, water source, heat pumps, and fan coils. Taking to Chicago last night where the Yankees thumped the White Sox. Now here's the 2-0. Swung on and ripped to left field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Aaron Judge had a bullet line drive in the seats in left field. All rise. Here comes the Judge. And in Chicago tonight, it is Judgment Day. A two-run blast by Judge. And the Yankees take an 8-2 lead. That was John Sterling. Hand-churned guacamole. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't heard that one before. That's great. (laughs) Anyway, that was uh, John Sterling Uh. on the fan. Aaron Judge had uh, that bullet of a home run that uh, put the Yankees up by six runs. How that about Aaron Judge, huh? How about him? Could you imagine if he were a tight end for the Giants right now? Yes, but, you could actually. Yes. No, I could I could see him. Think about when he came out of high school, Jerry. He knew, probably knew he could be a professional football player. He he went the hardest route to be a baseball player. And he would be a defensive end, a tight end, been a first round draft pick if he probably didn't even play college football. But it's fun to watch him. They win 12-3. to His home run capped a five-run sixth inning, all with two out, by the way. The White Sox couldn't get out of the inning. Uh, manager was ejected. The pitcher was ejected. Uh, here was uh, Joe Girardi. Another kid that had a big night was Miguel Andujar. Uh, so they bring him up. They put him in the DH spot, and he goes three for four with four RBIs, a two-run single in the first, two-run double in the ninth. Miguel comes up. First base hit. Another time with the runners on, another base hit, another time with the runners on, another he base hit. A, but he even had a hit where uh, Chase Headley got thrown out at the plate. Otherwise, he would have had another RBI. Yeah, that, that's, that's what you call a was. major league debut right there, that man. That was awesome. That was, And I'll tell you what, the one ball that he hit to, to left field on the line 
was a rip. I mean, he, uh, is that the one where Headley was thrown at home? Yeah, yeah. yeah the line you, drive to you, Milky. You know what it kind of looks to me like? I, I, I don't know if uh, you remember Alphonse Soriano. He get into the Alfonso box. Soriano, sure. Al- Alfonso, right? And he had the big bat and he had that thing swinging in there. It just looked. Like he was going to get a hit every time he got up? Yep. That's what it kind of looked like last night. Well, not bad as he has three hits in his first uh, game. Here was Girardi talking about that sixth inning where they did all their damage after the White Sox had gotten a couple of outs, but they couldn't retire the side. The two out RBIs that we got. Um, after they made it three to two, we got five runs with two outs, and they were big RBIs from kids, so great to see. And so they get the victory, as does Masahiro Tanaka. Here's uh, Andujar. So how are you feeling? Super happy, you know, to have the opportunity to contribute. And contribute in a big way for and that, sure. And that's a, uh, that a uh, translator? Yeah. That was All right, that's a translator. And then uh, the other thing, too, is that's Tanaka's second good outing in a row. Yeah, he was good. He was Previous okay. outing won eight innings against uh, the, the Rangers. And then yep. last night goes, uh, what, six last night? First win since May 8th. Right. But but more importantly, you know, only six hits, only two earned runs. Uh, he did get five strikeouts. Yep. So that's back-to-back good starts by Tanaka. So that's got to be encouraging for Joe Girardi. And I'm sure you, maybe you saw me didn't, but they're the pitcher, uh, Rodon, or Rodon, however you pronounce his name, yeah. he almost hits Didi Gregorius in one of the first couple of innings. It's one of the worst wild pitches you'll ever see. I mean, right over his head. He was horrendous. He made they it was like pit- a, fi- a, fi- a 50-cent uh, pregame. It was something uh, like that. It was like a, a, a wild pitch. thing pitch for Major cent? League. You ever see a guy 50-cent throw the, out throughout the first pitch at the I Met probably games? have, yes. It was brutal. Yes. It well, was brutal. Their pitching was brutal. The White okay. Sox walked 10 batters we last like night. 50 cent. Mm. Did you see um, Joe Girardi last night early in the game, standing in the corner of the dugout every time they shoot? He was like... Oh. I, he's, I think he was still reminiscing about the night before, and every pitch and whoa, you could. I it looked it looked like he didn't sleep last you night. You know, you know what's hard for me to understand, and I don't, I don't know how they yes. do it because when we lost the game in the NFL, I lost more games than you did. Uh, you carry those damn games with you, like they stay with you all the way until the next Friday, right? But yes. that's it's the, never out of your system. But that's baseball, though. You come right back the next day. You don't have to wait seven days. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. No, that's, that's what's great. But the bad thing is, is you're reliving last night's game while you're watching the one that night. And True. I, I could just see it in his face. You know, could, do I have to go to Tyler Clipper tonight? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, they didn't. Yes. Although they go back to Chase and Shreve last night. Uh, Sessa and Shields will go tonight. We'll have it on the fan. And also, we've been talking about Matt Holiday to the DL. Viral infection Viral. is what they are calling So now they have uh, Castro on the DL. Right, Hicks is on the DL. Holiday's on the DL. Yep. Uh, so Tyler is, Austin might Tyler be going Austin on the looks DL. Like he's going to go on the DL. Uh, this is almost reminiscent of what's going on over in Flushing. Yeah, oh, every day it's something. It's worse. Over every day the Mets. it's something. Every day. Speaking of the Mets, uh, Curtis Granderson is really heated up. One-two pitch. Granderson smokes it deep in the air, right center field. It's going to go. Curtis Granderson has done it again. Over the 392 marker in right center field. Two-run home run. He is just crushing it on this road trip. The Mets expand that lead to six to nothing. Josh Lewin, W O R. The Mets win eight to nothing. They didn't have to sweat this one out. Steven Matz uh, was terrific. Seven scoreless innings for the win. Granderson the home run. Same with a Struble Cabrera. Here was Terry Collins. So Cabrera at second base. How is he adjusted to the play there? Good answer. He can play second base. Don't. There's no big adjustment. This guy's a tremendous infielder. And so it's working out. And, and just he's hitting. Fine. And he's hitting the ball too. Yeah. Right? So uh, basically, what's happening here is that Granderson. Cabrera, our show 
showing that they can still play. Yeah. Uh, you know, Neil Walker comes back. Hopefully that's going to be the case. Uh, Jay Bruce is having a monster year. All of these guys are going to be assets that the, the Mets can trade if they want to trade. They could. Uh, at the trading deadline, depending on what happens. But how about this? Who has hit more home runs in a month of June than the Mets have since 2006? Mm. The Mets. Nobody. 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 The Mets this year. Right. The Mets have 50 home runs in the month of June. That's the most for any team since 2006. So there's something. So the debate is is there something with the ball? Is there something with the bats? Is it just poor pitching? Yeah. It's, let let me see. Let me think. It's the bats. It's the balls. It's the ballparks, which are all smaller than years before. And it's also the players. They. Jerry, you and I were talking about this early this morning. Before, talking sports. We were talking before, sports. Literally, before like Boomer it. got here, we were. we were waiting on him. But everybody, <laughs> you, you just saw it. Everybody that gets up has almost like the perfect swing now to do what? To drive it out of the park. Well, that's apparent. It's about power, and they explode through the ball when you watch them. I think it was Josh Donaldson mock me for whatever, uh, was on MLB Network talking about how baseball is about the home run ball now. That's it. You're not taught. I shouldn't say taught. Guys don't want to hit sharp ground balls and line drive. You're they taught want upper fly cut balls. Swings. You're talking about yes, upper cut and swings. hit the ball deep. That's what they're taught. Well, just look at last night. A couple things. Steven Matz, I thought, was awesome. And Ron Darling said a lot of things. I thought, well, that's right. That makes sense. Of course it makes sense. He's an ex-pitcher. Right. But just... Sometimes it doesn't make sense, though. You know, he wears those metrosexual glasses and... Tries to be smarter than well, everybody I'm not else. worried about what he wears. I'm just yeah, kind of okay. listening to him. It was, yeah. But Cespedes, did you, did you watch the game last night? Yes. Every time he swings the bat, it's it's you think it's a home run. It's it's the last night, he yeah. missed it three times, and he threw the bat down in disgust because he knew he had the pitch to knock it out and missed it. Yep. So... He's, just, right. he's a little bit off while while Granderson, as uh, Josh did say in the uh, play-by-play, is just ripping the cover off of the ball. Very I mean, he just so. is having an unbelievable month here. And this road trip has been ridiculous. It's good for him because, you know, every year it's the same thing with him. Yeah. Six weeks into it, get rid of him. Get rid of him. He stinks. He's killing us. He's holding us down. And then all of a sudden, come June, come July, he turns it on and has like a month to remember. And that's exactly what they're going through right now. And the Mets have won four of five. Seth Lugo and Jose Arrena will go tonight in the series finale. A couple of other things from baseball. Um, the Nationals beat the Cubs 8-4. to four. We played all the Miguel Montero sound yesterday. The Cubs promptly cut him uh, for him did going after the, the pitchers. Yes. Oh, you did. Okay, the catcher sounding saying that Jake Arrieta it's not my fault. I can't do it. I need some yeah. help and all that other stuff. But, you know, also, was it Izzo came out and hammered uh, Montero for, you know, saying what he said. And, obviously, Theo Epstein heard it and said, we got to get rid of this guy. Right, and they got rid of him. He's gone. Uh, you also had the Cubs. Oh, Anthony Rizzo is who you were talking Rizzo. about. What did yes. I say? You said Izzo. You said Izzo. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking guy about upstairs. Tom Izzo. Jiggles. Yeah, however you want to call okay. it. Yes, anyway. Um, we have a guy that plays in our softball team that does all these different uh, you know, tape pieces and all that stuff. Right. Uh, Tom is a great. He's really, really talented, right? Yeah, he is. He's good, yes. You know, nickname. somewhere today before we leave, let's make sure we talk about that softball team. Yeah. I got some comments. Some I'm sure you Observations do. of watching you guys play. At least we oh, do great. play. Can't wait. At least we are actually playing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You some play. Some guys are just standing you, there. You pitch. He played first base. Oh, and then he. he and made then, a nice play, he too, did, by the way. yes. Thank you. I did the splits because the honey badger, caught a ball. The honey badger threw the ball into the ground. But you have a guy run for you. Yeah, I do. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> well, at least I'm out there. This show's going to turn into grumpy old men real quick, yes. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
Good. What else you got? Jerry, um, wait, Jerry, what are you talking about? You, not you and I were sitting over there by first base destroying everybody. <laughs> so, well, I know. You know what I said? Phil and I are like the, the, the old guys in the Muppets sitting up in the balcony <laughs> right. screaming and yelling at everybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. And then the Angels played the Dodgers last night. I'm going to play you the way this game ends. Ben Revere gets on base on an error, goes to second base on a wild pitch, and then here's a strikeout pitch, and he would score. Here's the 2-2 pitch, and that one is missed. The ball gets away from Grandal. Maven didn't really know where it was, and then the throw to first base sails over Utley, and the Angels are going to walk off on the throwing error. So it's a, they basically uh, calling it online a strikeout walk-off, which is so stupid. Yeah. Uh, but that's the way that goes. Angels beat the Dodgers 3-2. to two. Also, uh, the Rockies did lose to the Giants last night, so all of a sudden the Rockies have lost eight straight games. Uh, yeah, interesting. See, everybody goes through it. And, everybody uh, goes you know, through as it. As Joe Girardi's been trying to say over the last two weeks, every team goes through stuff like right. this. Absolutely right. And they're the latest. Rockets acquire Chris Paul from the Clippers. Uh, L.A. getting back Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Lou Williams, and... And four more players and a four top three players. protected. Yes. It's a huge deal. I, no, I don't think anybody of note those other four, but I mean, it's a, it's so a Bobby, lot of players. So Bobby's my basketball expert. Bobby Dwyer is sitting in for Al Duke. So tell me about this, Bobby. What do you think? Is this a, a huge win for Houston? And can these two guys coexist? And, I don't know or, if they can coexist. Well, personally. first of all, they're not going to do this unless James Harden says, hey, I'd love to and have he this. wants to play with them. Right. I'm in the minority here. I think Chris Paul is very overrated personally, so right. I don't think it's going to work. And then the, the other interesting thing about all of this, I was just thinking that you know Harden does so much heavy lifting for the Houston Rockets. He's got to handle the ball. He's got to shoot the ball. He's got to pass the ball. And it's like constantly every game he's got to do that. To me, this looks like, okay, let's relieve some of that pressure yes. and let Chris Paul handle the ball a little well, bit. Well, D'Antoni's special, so he's gonna, and he wants Paul in his system. So it'll be interesting, but I just don't. Personally, I just don't see. I don't see them being good enough to well, beat. Well, they got to beat the, the Warriors, Warriors so. but everybody's trying. It's an arms race. But they're not done, right? I mean, they want to try get George or Mello. Or Carmelo has been awesome. They mentioned. could have Carmelo, but it's I like mean, uh, it's like Cleveland. You know, you can't. You know, Kyrie Irving and LeBron, you know, LeBron can't bring it up every time like James Harden does. And it, when I watched him play late in the year, you could tell it was wearing him out. So yeah. now he's got somebody else, like you just said, to take that burden off. Take some pressure off, man. I don't think Chris Paul's in that upper echelon of stars that everybody puts him in no. either. But I think it's a good match down there with James Harden. Oh, that's It'll be fun to watch. Well, if James Harden says to Mike D'Antoni, oh, go get him. Yeah, they've wanted to play together, the yeah, two of them. All right, so, so then, then then it's hopeful, hopefully it's a match made in heaven for them. But again, still not good enough to beat the Spurs or the or the Warriors. Nope. Well, here is D'Antoni quickly. He was asked point blank, can these two uh, play together? Here was his answer. It's a little bit like the uh, USA basketball or like Durant going to Golden State. You can sit around all day and say, why wow, that wouldn't work. Well, guess what? It does because they want it to work. So well, that's, that's I think that's the best answer. Mike D'Antoni is a genius. And that's why Mike D'Antoni left the Knicks. Carmelo can't make it work, so I'm out of here. <laughs> so I, can you believe my, like, that Mike D'Antoni would want Carmelo down in Houston? No. I, I read all this stuff. Which is like, why do, do they remember that Mike D'Antoni left the Knicks because of because Carmelo. Because of Carmelo, yeah. yes. Oh, so let's, let's, but there are articles all over the place that say they're interested no in trying way. to acquire Carmelo. So and I, I don't know. Why would he go there? Did anybody this, ask Mike D'Antoni, do you want to acquire I did not hear the entire really press conference. Give you an answer about a, a player that's that on Rockets the GM is always Maury. looking to make moves and everything yeah. too. Well, the so. owner wants to spend some money. Yeah. And by the way, part of that deal, I said seven players, also a top three um, protected first round draft pick. 
Really? So it's a huge deal that uh, the Rockets made yesterday. They have great crowds down there, too. When you watch a game, they pack it in, and they are ready to go. Well, so one of their games around the Super Bowl this year, and it was packed. But yeah. then again, it was everybody was they in town. They were a 50-plus win team, too, yeah. and they were exciting. And the Rangers signed defenseman Brendan Smith to a four-year right, deal. A four-year deal. I think it's a pretty uh, good deal. It's like $17.5 bucks. It's a, it's an honest deal. It's a, it, But the only thing I, I hate, I hate the fact that they give these no-trade clauses out. It just, you know, that's why they ended up moving Derek Stepp on because at July 1st, no trade clause kicks in. He's the only asset that we have, along with Auntie Ranta, to be able to you know get underneath the cap, and then you have to make a move that maybe you you might not be happy about. You know, come you know when the season gets here. Yep. Are we talking hockey? Yes, we are. You Briefly, know, I, w- hey, I went to a game with Boomer and his son, and Jerry. I'm I'm going to admit this on the air. So his son Gunner is explaining it a lot to me because I don't follow hockey. Just you don't just, know what you're like, missing. Yeah. Well, I, I understand. And you were apologizing that night. Well, they both played last night. It's not as exciting as usual. And that's okay. You, you got a dud of a regular season game. Rangers but I sucked that night. I was like in the middle of like a five game. Oh, it was bad. And I was pissed. But I made the mistake. Of course, your son knows everything about hockey. Yes. He coaches a team, and he's teaching me. And something ends. I said, "Oh, the quarter's over." <laughs> And then he goes, that's a rookie mistake. Period. That's a period. Let's go oh. to Vinny and River's Edge. Uh, Vinny, you're on the fan with Boomer and Phil. What's happening? Boomer. Yeah. Hey, Vinny the bookie. Yeah. Oh, Vinny the bookie. Oh, How you Vinny doing? the bookie. What's going on, brother? Hey, now that uh, Mr. Sims is no longer calling games, maybe he can actually make his picks, you know, when he uh, does his picks on Inside the NFL. Yeah, right. A little bit better picks, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> make better picks? Yeah, make better no, picks. You're afraid to, I can't you're afraid to make picks. Hey, Vinny. Hi, Vinny. Thank you for calling in and telling the truth. Finally. Vinny. Finally. Finally. Who's won the trophy every Yeah, but you don't actually year. pick games. I don't know what you're picking. No, he makes the picks, but he won't disclose it on air because he's afraid if he picks you know, against the uh, Broncos when he goes into Denver to interview them, they'll, you know, they'll be mad at him. They have big men. They will <laughs> beat me up. You are very, These very people sensitive. really get upset about picking against their team. It's crazy, right? Isn't it's not? I mean, hey, listen, your buddy sitting beside you yes. on NFL today, Bill Cower, yes, once before a championship game when they played the San Diego Chargers, I think it was. Everybody at NBC picked. Oh, it was Denver picked against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I show up for the Friday morning practice. I'm the only one that was allowed to go in. Because you picked Pittsburgh. He, no, because he goes, at least you had the smarts not to pick the game that you're calling. Oh, I say, okay. Yeah, yeah. he was, and I'll tell you, he meant it, and he was upset. What Captain about, Coward. What, are you guys going to have the same picks from Tuesday and inside the NFL to Sunday uh, on well, the NFL today? Or you guys well, Vinny, I will remember mine from Tuesday to Sunday. I love it when I'm out at the games and watching Boomer, and I go, he's picking the opposite of what he did on Tuesday. <laughs> you know why? Because I got inside information come Sunday. Did you win? on Sunday? Did you win the pick uh, segment? Probably no. not. I don't know. Did you win on Inside the NFL? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay. Oh, you got the whole thing rigged over there at Inside the NFL. Thanks, Vinny. I appreciate it. All right, gentlemen. Have a good one. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm done. You're We're all done. good. Yep, we did hockey. We're well, done. we didn't get to talk about Stephen Metz's great performance Well, we'll, we'll get to him. We got plenty of time. There's plenty of time to talk about everything. Well, I'm here with you, so I got to get it in there when I can. All right, when we come back, we're <laughs> going to talk about Phil Jackson, because I want to get your sense on Phil, because okay. I know that you've been in a situation over there at the Giants that wasn't all that great for you, much like I was in a situation that wasn't all that great for me at the Jets. 
If you're if you're an athlete, you're going to be in that situation sooner or later. Uh, are hired in positions that directly affect your performance on the court of the field. So I do have some sympathy for Carmelo Anthony, believe it or not. It's Boomer and Carton mornings from six to ten on Sports Radio sixty six and one oh one nine FM WFAN and WFAN FM New York. All right, six fifty four. The fan coming to you from the Investors Bank Studio. Uh, with Phil Sim sitting in for uh, Craig Carton today and tomorrow. So let me ask you a question. You uh, wake up yesterday morning, and I and I know that you know you're a basketball fan. I know you like the Knicks, and you're from the state of Kentucky. So who doesn't love basketball <laughs> from the state of Kentucky? I uh, know you uh, covered the Knicks. Actually, I think your first assignment for NBC was a oh, sideline reporter good for a Knicks game. I was at when a Pat Nick Riley game. was uh, running the Knicks. He was running the Knicks. So I introduced myself to the head coaches to because you have to interview them. Pat Riley, I figured, man, we're going to connect. He's, You're a Kentucky boy. He's a Kentucky he played boy. played in yep. Kentucky. Yep. You know, we got that bond and all that <laughs> stuff. I played in New York. He's coaching in New York. And he gives me a really stern look. Of course, you know, he's a big dude. Yeah, he is. He's a big dude. So he looks at me and goes, this and that. And he was whatever. And he looks at me and he really meant it. He goes, but don't even think about listening in on my huddle. And the way he said it, I went, <laughs> of course no I won't. Yeah, right. it was like he, it was intimidating. You know, Pat Riley's one of those guys, and you saw it when he was a player. I mean, he hey, he wouldn't be afraid if it escalates to a fight. And right. He's one of those guys. So. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why everywhere he's been, he's won. Yeah, listen, and he's not only a great coach, a great player, but also a great executive. Something that Phil Jackson never ever uh, was able to become Pat, here in New York. Pat Riley was able to adjust and realize there's more than just one way to get it done. Well, and that's, I, what, that's what he did, and that's what Phil... There's many things about Phil Jackson, but he did not change with the league. And I ask you this, when he was hired to be the Knicks general manager, what was your first thought? We all were excited. Everybody I said, said oh okay. my gosh, he's going to bring in stars and he's going to get it done. He's going to be able to pick the right players. and it's, it's just great. And it never turned out that way. Well, because he he's, he's a wackadoodle. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, reading some of his tweets and, you know, honestly, after that first year, I started really wondering about what the hell was going on over there and whether or not he was actually locked in and engaged. Initially, he was going to do this from, you know, doing the bi-coastal thing. And I'm like, you can't do that. No, man. you can't do it. You, you either can't. you're in or you're not. Right. It, it, there's no in between. And listen, did he want to do the job? And I read all the stuff and listened to so many people yesterday, but probably he did not want the job. But when the money gets so big, you can't turn it down. And plus, he's supposed to be the, uh, you know, he's coming in, he's going to be the Messiah, he's going right. to turn the whole thing around. You know, the interesting thing is, as I was just talking about it, I'm thinking that he wanted to become Pat Riley. He wanted to become, you know, a guy that won as a player, won as a coach, and then won, in a, and won as an executive. But he's no Pat Riley. He's yeah. not even in the re, not even in the remote region of a Pat Riley when it becomes uh, when it becomes uh, to the uh, the executive role because he created a an air of toxicity around an already dysfunctional room. Right. And when you add those two dynamics together, you get what you see on the on the court, and you get a, a young player like Christoph Porzingis walking out on his exit meeting and not showing up. 
Right. I mean, and all those things, and then all of a sudden we're going to trade uh, Perzingis, we're going to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, maybe we need to buy him out. Uh, I'm not so sure what happened yesterday or the day before yesterday that actually pushed Jim Dolan to this point. I would imagine it had a lot to do with Carmelo Anthony and either Phil Jackson wanting to buy out Carmelo Yeah, he wanted Anthony. to buy him out. I'm sure that's it. You know, and, and, and Let me waste some more of your money, Jim. Let's, you know, let's pay Derek Fisher. Let's pay uh, Mike Woodson. Let's pay... Uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony. Let's uh, pay Joakim Noah. Let's pay uh, Derek Rose. Let's pay, 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 and try to spend our way out of this, uh, which is really unfortunate. But that air of toxicity combined with the dysfunctional nature of the Garden when it comes to the Knicks basically is giving us what we have today, and that okay. is Drek and a mess. Now, listen, you know, one, he's a competitor. So when he took the job, he's always been the man, you know, the lead guy. Like when in Chicago, he had those stars listen to yeah, him because he did, it. He didn't put the team together, though. Okay, I know, but he did it out in L.A. So hey, he only knows himself as somebody that's going to be successful. So he's going to do it. He thinks, hey, like, Boomer, if you got in charge of some a team or whatever, you think you could do it too. If you were in that world. Yeah, but I, I, I understand what you're saying, but here's the deal. He didn't he, change, he though. Started, he wanted he started, to do it his way. He started coaching the greatest basketball player of all time. And he was lucky that that greatest basketball player of all time has what Tom Brady had. And that is the desire to be the greatest you know, of his time and was willing to put the work in. Well, he put the work in, but he also sold the message for the coach, which is really, really important. Well, that's that's the key here in the NBA. If your star buys into what you're selling... And Phil Jackson did not get that done with the Knicks. Now, wait, here's the thing. Because he's not coaching them. I know, but he still could have given it to the organization and helped. Now, when Phil Jackson takes the job, do you think deep in his heart he wanted to keep Carmelo Anthony? Yes, you do. I think because there's I don't a, there's, think he did. I, I think, think I think because there's a sense in the NBA you have to have stars in order to win and compete. Jim Dolan forced Donnie Walsh to make that crazy trade to bring Carmelo here, and when Carmelo came here, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. We're going to stick him with Amari Stoudemire. We're going to have our big two, and we're going to win, and all this other crap. And then you know we're going to fire. You know Mike D'Antoni's going to leave, and then Mike Woodson's going to leave, and then Derek Fisher's coming in because Steve Kerr recognizes that this is a sewer pit of dysfunction, and and he doesn't want any part of this, and he's going to go to Golden State. I'm just telling you, uh, the whole aspect of all of this, just after about a year of it, I I just was not comfortable with what Phil Jackson was doing. Well, I thought I didn't I didn't feel that way after a year. That that's for sure. You know, just because of um, I thought he could straighten it out. I thought his first instinct. I'm just going back to what I remember, just reading between the lines, because he always has a degree of honesty in his interviews that he didn't want to. But what happens to a lot of people? Football coaches, whatever the coach is in any sport, it's one thing to have the thought, but can you carry through with the workings of it when you're talking about getting rid of a star and doing something else? I mean, is that just like aging quarterbacks? That could happen with them, right? With with franchises, and sometimes it's tough to go. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do, but when it comes to really actually doing it. Doing it, they back away you know, from it. And it, I think that's what happened to Phil Jackson. Interesting. You know, Wally Zerbiak was in here yesterday, and Wally basically said, look, I don't really care what they do off the court. I don't really care any about that. But when they show up and play, 
I need maximum effort, and I want to see guys that are going to play together. And I said, you know, Wally, I love you, and I get it. Maybe in the NBA that is the, the thought process overall. I can't imagine that Steve Kerr or Greg Popovich feel that way because I believe you have to hold people accountable. Sure. And I told a story about the first meeting that we had with Richie Kotat when he took over the Jets. He goes, I don't care about nothing but three hours on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, God, we're screwed. Because as you know and I know, and I think most of the people who have ever been winners in any sort of sport or any sort of business, it it takes time, commitment, it takes fundamentals, it takes practice, it takes understanding, it takes game planning, and it takes, you know, holding people accountable. I'm not a genius. If you say something like that in front of everybody else, now all of a sudden you're letting everybody off the hook. Yes. Well, And, And I believe that Phil Jackson was a guy that saw $60 million staring him right in the face. Right. A guy that saw an opportunity to now maybe become the next Pat Riley, as I think of it, and did not want to put the time and effort into it. And the more, the, when it really started getting weird, and you can look in the timelines today, because I, now I, I, I was refreshed with some of the stupid tweets that he was putting out. Yes. And you just said it. He did not adapt to today's game. Today's game is about wing players. It's about running up and down the court. It's about shooting threes. It's about a seven-footer by the name of Kevin Durant showing everybody that is the new breed of athlete in the NBA. So How the hell are you going to stop a guy doing what he's able to do? You, I, I ask you, and I'm not... You want to put Kevin Durant I, I in the triangle? Well, I don't even want you to answer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what... Yeah. Do you know exactly what? No, I don't. You know, basketball. When I listen to them analyze the games, of course, they say things. I go, "Wow, I didn't see that." I because it's so quick. But I actually went online to read about the triangle offense. Yeah, yeah, yesterday. I'm sure you did. I did, and you know what I came out with? Yeah, that's right. I fell asleep. I right. go. I still don't think I understand. But it does about defense. It's about motion. It's about mid range jumpers and everything I went, I go, well, that's everything the NBA is it's not. not. Exactly. Now and it's pick and roll and shoot the three and let's roll. You know, and the amazing thing is it would be like it would be like taking a guy like you and saying, you know what? Let's put you in the uh I don't know. The wishbone. The wishbone. No, watch Phil Sims with his big, thick, white legs and fat feet come out there with that big square head of yours trying to run the wishbone. It's not happening. It's just not happening. Great case in point. I'll give you a quick story. Do you remember? Of course, you remember Barry Switzer at Oklahoma. Yes. Okay, he's running the wishbone. Let's get Troy Aikman. Wait, yeah. So we go to training camp, and there are all the Oklahoma coaches in meetings with me. And I go, why are they in here? And somebody whispers to me, they're going to throw the ball this year. I go, Barry Switzer? Well, we got this quarterback. So he, how long did he coach Troy Aikman? A couple weeks. Right. Troy, Troy got hurt. Troy, great. Go to UCLA. We got to go back to. I think they then it, they went back to the wishbone or maybe the veer. I can't Jamal remember. Holloway. But they yes. Hey, you can only do what you you know. So that's what he knew. He couldn't change. And Phil Jackson only knows the triangle. It gave him great success, and he was unwilling to change. Well, it's interesting. Eddie's in my ear. Well, you know, Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl with Troy Aikman. Well, you could have won a Super Bowl with Troy Aikman that year. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Eddie, you want to get you want to get in that uh, little discussion about that team that won that Super Bowl? Well, we'll do that. All right, how about Bill Belichick? So here's a guy who has changed. He can adapt. He's adapted like five times up in New England already. They changed the rules because of his defensive backs basically accosting a Marvin Harrison running around in right. an AFC Championship game. They come back. 
they change the rules, then who adapts his offense to the new rules? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, let me go he get rec- Randy Moss and uh, you know that crew that was unbelievable. Now let's spread everybody out. Spread and them out. Let, oh, you want to put the defensive backs on on islands? Well, we'll take advantage of it. Yeah, and that's basically what he did, and that's what Phil Jackson did not do here. You're right. And he was not committed. All right, so we know what we're doing. It. Yeah, you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> Roll another one. It's Boomer and Carton. Mornings from 6 to 10 on The Fan. All right, 712 on the fan. Boomer and uh, Carton coming from the Investors Bank studio. And uh, Phil Sims kind enough to sit in for Craig uh, tomorrow and uh, today. And we were just talking about Phil Sim- uh, Phil Jackson and some of the stuff that was going on with him with the Knicks. I, look, I, 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 I had a couple of situations where I had really bad management people, whether it be uh, a coach or whether it be a you know an upper management people you know making decisions on as to who's the trade and who to bring in and all that other stuff, which leads me to uh, to uh, Jerry Reese, who last year basically you know right prior to this, which was free agency for the uh, the NFL, wiped the board. We got to wipe the board and we got to start over, and we're going to spend some money because John Marin and the Tish family said, "You guys go spend some money, get some uh, right people, and and selecting people and giving people big." You know, you know, big money contracts is an art, man. You got to find the right guys, especially when you're trying to rebuild an entire team. And I thought Jerry Reese maybe have done one of the greatest jobs. He hit a home run, pretty much with every every one, right? Home run, home run. I mean, the only one you could art well that JPP was already there. They gave him the contract, but he's still a tremendous physical presence on the field. But Janoris Jenkins, yeah. But if so, you're if you're Uh, my point being, if you're Eli Manning. Well, now and you're, and you're sitting there and you're saying you're watching what your general manager is doing, and then they go out and add, you know, Brandon Marshall. Uh, I would say that you, as a quarterback, really feel great about what's going on. Yeah, they draft a tight end in the first round, who I think would have been my tight end. He's, he's the, not really a tight end; he's a hybrid, though, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's going to get open, and he can play anywhere. And he played; he ran all the NFL routes down there at Ole Miss with Chad Kelly at quarterback. But this Evan Ingram. I liked him more than any other tight ends in the draft because it because of the league. OJ Howard was is a really good blocker, but the league is about throwing the football. And where's the easiest, biggest mismatch almost on the field? One of them is tight ends against linebackers Inside and safeties. the numbers and and right right there right on there the in front hash of the quarterback. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's this is going to be I I well I didn't want to get into the Giants. But why not? Well, I know just you know, you their get into, defense. You get into like the Jacksonville Jaguars or something. I no, mean, no. I thought we kind of. I'm fin- giving you the Giants. Right. And then, well, it's, uh, but my point being is, I'm trying to make a comparison to how one runs a, a franchise and how one blew up a franchise. Well, okay, and it's a great analogy, but also you know James Dolan. Just reading all the articles, and I even heard something this morning. Look, now I'm doing nothing. It's all into Phil Jackson's hands, and whoever but we hire Steve, from here, now it's, it's going to be hands, all. Yeah. And no, the owner has to give some direction and have accountability or whatever, and it has to trickle down even with these football teams. And that, of course, that's what I know more than any other sport. But the football teams, the owners, I think, have a tremendous amount 
of responsibility in how that team does and their wins and losses. And I think the Giants have shown that under the merit stewardship. There's yes. no question about that, especially since winning the Super Bowls with you guys and now, of course, with Eli and this bunch of uh, players. But uh, when I think about what Jerry Reese did and how he did it, Phil Jackson could not do it. Yeah, and you know, when you do that, you're basically Jerry Reese. When he was making all those acquisitions last year, I'm, I'm. You always think it's going to work out, but that was his probably his career. It, if this doesn't work, he'd have been in big trouble. It, it has to be one of the great career years of acquiring free agents. And and you, you know, when you think about when you think of the amount of impact players that he brought here and the amount of money they spent. It, I would tell you that that's money well spent, and that's money that's spent in the right direction, as opposed to what Phil Jackson did here for three years. The amount of money wasted, yes, not just on himself. But coaches and players and extended contracts and guaranteed contracts and no trade clauses and things of that nature. You know, I'm like you. I liked Joakim, you know, Noah when they brought him Joakim in Noah, yes. Joakim Noah. I almost said it wrong. Joakim Noah. I liked him. Saw him in Florida. Followed his career. I liked the way he plays. I think you every team needs that guy. Not four years and seven. Yeah, I know. Million, so when I saw the money, because I know he's going to, and look, even though it went bad and he got hurt this year, he will not just cash in. He'll play hard when healthy and do what he's supposed to do. But yeah, the money, I was shocked the when I saw the it's contract. The, it's the length, you know, and and uh, I was saying this guy will bring grit. If you're going to get rid of Tyson Chandler, you need somebody to come right. in here that's going to play tough defense. He's not going to give you a lot of points, but he'll rebound, he'll play tough defense, and it just didn't fit. Now, I'm going to it's going to be really interesting to see what he is able or capable to do next year without Phil Jackson meddling in everything. You know, that's the other thing. Uh, Wally Zerbiak told us that uh, when Kevin McHale was running the Timberwolves and Flip Saunders was the coach, that Kevin McHale would pick the players, and then right before the season in training camp, he'd go hunting for six weeks and wow. leave because he didn't want to have any undue influence on the team. He wanted the coach to coach the team and be the guy. And, you know, So it kind of made some sense to me, and I don't think that was ever the case with Phil. And, and I can only go by what I read and what I see and yeah. what he is tweeting so that that's why like if if I look at the Giants this year and I look at the other additions that they brought in this year, whether it be Ingram, whether it be Brandon Marshall, and I know it's on paper and I know everybody talks, you know, preseason, are they going to win? A lot of things have got to go right. Even when you're the great Patriots, things have got to go right for you. Um, and usually what goes right for the Patriots is that the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins are making all the wrong decisions. <laughs> uh, but I would say this, that on paper right now, the Giants have got to be – one of the top two or three teams in the NFC. I I would say in the NFL. Uh, I think they're on paper. I find everybody goes, well, the offensive line. Look, you can't have a superstar at every position in the NFL. Right. The one thing I I was at a function yesterday and we were they started we started talking a lot of football and they said, Well, what about this team? What about the Eagles? What do you think? We're Eagle fans. And I said, I said, name me your stars. Who is a difference maker on your team? I think Carson Wentz is uh could be a star, you know. Well, we got Alshon Jeffries from the Chicago Bears. I said, he's a good player, but he's not Brandon Marshall. He's not Odell Beckham Jr. So he, you got to have a solid team, but you need that group of guys to put it over the top, and the Giants have it at everywhere you look on that football team. The running back, Paul Perkins is plenty good. They drafted the kid out of Clemson. Wayne Gallman can do all the little things that everybody's looking for, that multi-layered back. But receiving core, boomer. 
Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham Jr., and then Evan Ingram. I mean, Eli's going to be able to get the hand, the ball out of his hands in .5 seconds now. Which you'll have to do, especially if the left tackle, Eric Flowers, is not ready to... But he seems to be... He'll be fine. He, he should be fine. I don't know, but he seems to be like whatever you want to call it, the, the guy that everybody wants to look at and everybody wants to just basically dump on because he was a first-round draft pick and because he just hasn't lived up to the expectations of a guy like him at that position that high in the draft. Yeah, well, I thought his rookie year, he played hurt, played tough, Tom Coughlin loved. Loved him last year. It didn't go as well, but I expect him just reading and just kind of getting the vibe between the lines that they think he's back. And you look at that whole offensive line. It's just not as bad as everybody. Oh, the offense. No, but, but, but also, they're going to be able to get rid of the ball, throw it, and their defenses that play the Giants' offenses, the offense is going to be so limited in what they can do because of this receiving core. And the other thing, too, is that a quarterback can make an offensive line. And that's exactly what's been going on in New England for years and years and years and years. They have a couple of really good, solid players. But, you know, when you get the ball out of your hand, you make quick decisions. Defenses have to defend you differently because of what you're sending down the field. That's where the Giants should be this year. Well, I, I did watch – I've been watching Giant football tapes – and really, I, I mean, you're bored. You got nothing else going on. Not much. That's, really? okay. it, it, that's the way you're it is. Watching Giants football tapes. Yes, I have. That's how you're spending your summer. Okay. Well, I'm trying to get ready. For, I want to keep up with you yeah, on okay. the NFL today. I got you. But Odell Beckham Jr. Of course, I think highly of him. But the more you look at him, you just sit there and you go, "Man, he he is really truly a different person than almost every receiver in the NFL." And if you had to pick one receiver right now in the NFL, who would you take? Julio Jones. Julio Jones. I would take Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, sure you would. Well, no, you're a giant. You no, know. it has nothing to do with the Giants. Then I would take A.J. Green. No, I wouldn't. And then, and Odell then I, Beckham Jr. runs more routes take, than A.J. Green. Then I'd take Antonio Brown. Man, well, you're not paying, well, by I the like way, this. You're I not mean, paying attention enough. Yeah, yes, by the way, the top 100 players in the NFL came out this year, uh, just last week. And, and who votes on that? I'm not really sure, but yeah. I'm just telling you, you know. Yeah. The thing about Odell Beckham Jr. is that I just, I just don't know who I'm getting. I, you know, am I going to get the the guy that seems to say the right things sometimes, or am I going to get the guy that's going to be like aloof and? Well, we'll talk about him later, but I'll tell you this. Well, we're going to talk about him later. We can talk well, about I mean, him right now. we're going to keep going. I'm just going to. I mean, I'm running this show. I'll, I'll tell you who we're talking about. I'll take the chance. Okay. okay? And here he is. He didn't go to OTAs. Oh, my gosh. He, that's just unbelievable. He didn't really get together with his who is players. That? Who, who is that person that just, know, just shows up every now and again? It's Mr. Sarcastic. Is that or, who it is? Yeah, I don't know who he is. But uh, listen. I am. Yes. The Giants, he held out, didn't go to OTAs. Don't you think it's going to be about a contract? Yeah, I don't care. And I, I think somewhere during this preseason, yeah. the Giants are going to give him a new right. contract. I, I don't care about him missing OTAs. I've said right. that here a million times. Yes. Uh, and it's and in this day and age, with the amount of money these guys are making and the amount of money that they're risking uh, by going out into OTAs, you know, makes a lot of sense for a guy like him not to show up. There's right. no question about it. Now, I don't know if it's tied to a new contract or or what's going on here. Uh, you know, I know that uh, Aaron Donald wants a new contract from the Rams. They're in the same draft. He didn't show up for OTAs either. Olivier Vernon didn't show up for OTAs. Nobody makes a big deal out of it. But it's Odell Beckham Jr. because he's news. He's a story. Yeah, he's he a went guy on the that, boat trip. Yeah, he dropped he, a pass in Green Bay. Well, yes, that's yeah. He yeah. wanted to marry the kicking or take the kicking yeah, net out. 
out on a date or something. That's that's always a stable uh, thing that well, you feel really good about. Well, listen, it all comes down to this. Is he worth it? Do you ever play with a guy like that in your huddle? In my huddle? In your huddle. I'm not talking about Lawrence Taylor. I'm talking about a guy that is, you know, in your huddle that basically is super personality driven. Um, and No. Why is that? Because it wasn't allowed. Oh, it wasn't allowed. So you're saying that he is the way he is because the Giants allow it. They let it, they let it start and it got rolling. And now once that happens to a player like him, it's hard to bring back. Yeah. And now they're going to try to calm it down a little, and I think he will because he has a chance. Listen, he's on a, he's on a terrific team right now. Yes. He's a superstar in the NFL. Yep. I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. He's the most popular player in the NFL. No, he's the best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. And if the Giants win, and he's part of it, uh, he's going to be a. They're going to build statues of him yeah. outside that you know, stadium. I, I um. I used to throw the ball a little high from time to time. That's yes. why I like you know guys like Julio Jones and AJ Green, <laughs> big targets. I, you know, I, I didn't watch a lot of tape on you during your playing days, but I worked with Chris Collinsworth for yes. many years. He talked about all your high throws quite a bit. Yeah, I threw the ball a lot to him though. Did you? I did. Yes. Well, I hate to admit it, he was a pretty good player. You know, there was there was a, there was a game where I started, and it was my rookie year, and I think uh, we called like twenty eight passes, and twenty seven of them I threw to him. Wow. Because I didn't know anything. Is that, I no is that when you sent a massage therapist to his yes, house I did, the yes. next day? Yes. yes, I did. Yes, and he loved me for ever since. It's Boomer and Carton. Mornings from 6 to 10 on Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. You know, all right. Uh, Boomer and Carton here coming from the Investors Bank Studio. Phil Sims in for uh, Craig here the next couple of days. Uh, I, I I did want to go back to our football conversation. Now we talked about the Giants and how. Look, we both think that they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFL. Certainly one of the better teams in the NFC. They'll have to deal with the Cowboys. The Philadelphia Eagles will be better. I'm not sure about what's going on with the Redskins and Kirk Cousins. You have have you heard anything in regards to a contract for him? Yeah, maybe they're going to try to work one out here. Maybe before training camp or somewhere during the preseason. I would expect the Washington Redskins. To get a contract with him. You think so? Now, with Derek Carr signed with the Oakland Raiders, Andrew Luck signs a big deal with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you're looking north of $25 million is the going rate for all these starting quarterbacks. And it's almost like, I feel like Kirk Cousins has proven himself. No question. To be you know worthy of a, of a big contract. I just don't necessarily know that, is he a guy that's worth 25 to $28 million a year? Is he going to be... I mean, to me, that's like Aaron Rodgers' stratosphere. That is, you know, that's Tom Brady, that's Drew Brees, that's Phillip Rivers, all the guys that go out there and throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns. And Well, he's doing and, that. And if those guys aren't on those teams, those teams don't have a chance to compete. Well, I think Kirk Cousins, when he came out of Michigan State, uh, I was not like super high on him at all. I thought, okay, he went in the fourth round, not sure. Didn't know if he could throw the ball well enough to be a big-time NFL quarterback. Well, it took about two years, maybe the third year. I don't know when it was. I went, oh, my gosh, he lets it go. And he throws with abandon. And I think a lot of that has to do with Jay Gruden. I don't know how well you know Jay I Gruden. Do know, I know well, you. Jay Gruden has got like zero – Give in him. I mean, he's very just honest. Just like his brother. Yeah, just like he's his brother. He's a lunatic. <laughs> but he's done a – the offense that they've been running has really worked well. And Kirk Cousins, aggressive thrower down the field, throws great spirals. He's accurate. 
and he's a little better athlete than people give him credit for. If I had but to you don't between, have to be a great athlete. You know, that's the thing. No, you just got to be able to see it and move. Everybody moves now. Tom Brady moves to throw the ball. So right. you, you have to do that. I mean, that's to all me, Aaron Rodgers is, an, is a ridiculous athlete. Now, that's a whole different thing. Yes. Right, but he's a ridiculous athlete. You yes. could throw the ball on the run better than anybody I've ever seen. Yes. Maybe Michael Vick, when he was out there on the run and he had a, a slingshot of an arm, he could just like flick it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, that, Aaron Rodgers' best arm I've ever seen. All right, so you think that they're going to get a, a, a deal done with I do. Uh, you Kirk know, Cousins? The, my gosh, all this time invested in him with this offense, with Jay Gruden. Would, would he want to take a chance and lose Kirk Cousins and try to start over with another quarterback? Then you'll get fired. I mean, he's been productive, and, and it gets me to the national media, all the guys like us, you know, all the ex-players on TV and the other people, the analysts, and the, the, just... Hey, they, wait, wait, they, don't, they, don't, don't be undercutting us now. No, easy, but they, under, they underplay Kirk Cousins. They talk about him like, oh, Kirk Cousins. Well, that's the point, I mean, though. It's, I mean, it's, that's that's what I'm asking you. I mean, he's going to get a deal that's going to be somewhere around $25 million a year. Yeah, I guess he is. He is. That's just It just keeps creeping so up. So if, if you ask Kyle Shanahan, the new head coach out in San Francisco, does he want Kirk Cousins, who he had when he was with the Washington well, of course Redskins, he does. what would he say to you? Yes, I'll take him. I'll pay for it. We'll give him that contract. Contract, all that money, and even some draft picks probably up to get him. They right, because he, he knows, as he was uh, the coach of Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons, he, just how important it is to have a guy that can run the offense and ultimately win the MVP of the, of the league, which Matt Ryan did last year. Well, he did it. He knows this. He knows Kyle's offense. Of course, of course, he was in Washington with Kirk Cousins, and they loved him. Saying, yes. Yeah, so he knows he can run his offense and do all the stuff that it takes because uh, Kyle Shanahan does put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And... Matt Ryan learned that. It got Matt Ryan an MVP. And you got to say this about Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. Their quarterbacks always do well. They always do well. There's no question about it. They always put them in a good position. They, know they how understand to get the done, position. Yes. They, they really do. All right, I, I didn't ask you uh, this right after the draft, but did the quarterbacks go in the order that you thought they were going to go, with Trubisky going first and Mahomes before Watson? Uh, yes, I, I mean, it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, Trubisky, I thought, was the most polished, ready-to-go-and-play-right-now guy out there. Now, really? Even though he only started, what, 13 games in North Carolina? Yeah, well, I, all I know is just I could just go by what I see. And it looks like when you watch him play, he was well-taught. He ran kind of a pro offense. He could find receivers everywhere. He throws spirals. He's a really good athlete. He's in great shape. So all those things, you know, yeah, I wish he'd played more. Think, do you think that uh, John Fox was shocked that the GM basically went and did this without telling anybody? Yeah. Like, it's just like you heard nothing out of Chicago about drafting Mitchell Trubisky. You heard nothing out of that. Well, it, no, but I did think they were going to draft a quarterback high. I did. Just because the contract they signed Mike Glennon to was a one-year deal. So that would put that makes the alarm bell go off. He's got a one it's essentially year, a one year deal. It's, it's a it, one year deal. I know they signed him to two, but it's really a one year deal, right? So he he'll be the guy that's going to start this year. There's no way Trubisky can beat him out. You know, Mike Glennon is a pretty good quarterback, and he gets discounted too. Like, well, who's Mike Glennon? So where is he going to end up next year, though? <laughs> well, if he's it depends. If he does pretty well, Chicago will keep him around to keep a, a little backup insurance there for Trubisky when hey, it's his turn to play. How true is the story that came out of San Diego that they were saying that they really wanted to draft Deshaun Watson, the quarterback out of Clemson, but Phillip Rivers 
um, supposedly. Now, it's a rumor, and, and I can understand why this would get to where it is right now. Right. Uh, where Philip Rivers said, if you draft that guy, I don't want to be here, and you can might as well just let me go. <laughs> well, I heard all those rumors, and I did hear – you know, I didn't get into the draft this year. I watched all the players, but I didn't want to hear all the the rumors and everything from everybody. But I did hear that one that the L.A. Chargers. Boy, I have to think about that every time I say it. Right. The L.A. Chargers wanted to draft Deshaun Watson, and I said, "Well, that kind of makes sense. He oh, just Phil won Rivers, the national yeah. championship. Okay, but sit there. But Philip Rivers, he goes, hey, the, he knows the deal." the politics of the NFL, when you draft a quarterback in the first round, he's going to play sooner than later. And he wanted no part of that. So that's just, I don't know that for plus, a fact. Plus, they're moving from San Diego to L.A., so now he's got to deal with all of that stuff Philip Rivers does. Philip Rivers has been the face of that franchise for the last 12 years or whatever it is. Well, but you know, also, that would be why they probably thought about, okay, maybe this is the time to make a change. Let's get a new face of the franchise. And who better to get than Deshaun Watson, who just won the national championship, who everybody had up there, and, and nobody would have complained if they drafted him that high. All right, so. But what, Mahomes going to Kansas yes. City. Kansas City has tried to draft a quarterback in the first round three times, and they finally got it done this year. They were, I always the rumors. But they were going to take Johnny Menzel a few years ago, right? And then the year this year before, they were trying to get uh, Paxton Lynch, and Denver moved up in front of them and took him. And this time, they were very aggressive. Went out there and got Mahomes. And I, I love all these things. Too. Oh, he's at Texas Tech, you know. Well, what college football team is not running Texas Tech's offense? Everybody's running. Spread Everybody offense. runs. Everybody it. runs it. But yeah. the difference is Texas Tech with Mahomes. It was hold the ball, move around, but it was downfield throwing. I mean, he made did it, did it big remind time you throws. a little of Dak Prescott at Mississippi State? No, no, this was different. This reminded me of like everybody. It reminds you of Brett Favre, right? I mean, he moves around and he can boomer. He can be running full steam left and throw an in cut on the move coming from the right. Yeah, I mean, he can change his arm and. And he can really let it go. Any one of these guys, out of the three of the guys that you just mentioned, Watson, Mahomes, and Trubisky, who would be the first guy you think that would play because it's a coach's decision? Ooh. Oh, it'd be. I, I think it would be Watson because of the situation. He the finds situation you're in, in. Yes, Houston. The quarterback troubles. Uh, everything hit Tom Savage. You know, there's nobody going to be. Tom Savage is not going to have a lot of people if that on team, his side. If, if that team had a legitimate quarterback, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo was their quarterback, where would you put that team in terms of the AFC pecking order? Right up, uh, right. Just below the New England Patriots, right? Because they have the defense; they certainly have. They and, do. And what are you heard about? Uh, what are you heard they about? They need JJ? their receivers to come through and do a better job. Their receivers that would worry me about the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien's an offensive guy. When Deshaun Watson becomes the guy, is he going to be able to change enough to make that offense fit the skills of Deshaun Watson? That's going to be the. We talked about coaches. You got to be flexible. Yep. He's going to have to show some flexibility to make this work for well, Deshaun Watson. I, you know, kind of part of me feels a little bit bad for him, but they're the ones that went out and got Brock Osweiler. You know, they gave him all that money. That was like a Phil Jackson esque move. You know, without really knowing the guy or even talking to the guy, let's bring him in and let's give him seventy two million dollars. 
I mean, you talk about brain-dead moves. That's That's got to be one of the, the well, biggest an, ones in the last 10 years of the NFL. That's interesting, isn't it? Who brought him in? What were the circumstances? Who's the don't they Don't they talk to the coach? Does I, the coach I don't have know. any uh, impact in that at all? You know, th- listen, I never asked Bill O'Brien that during the year. Of course, not? he's not going to answer it. You, you know, should have asked him. You know, I, I, I would have said, hey, Bill, what what dummy thought this was going to work? He was in Green Bay late in the year, and they played Green Bay really tough. It, but I said they something. They played everybody tough. Oh, I know, of course, so, so the guys. But he looks at me once because they had everybody hurt. Jadeveon Clowney wasn't playing that week. Uh, you know, J.J. Watt is out. No, it's nice on and on. The fact that he's got guys hurt. And then he, I, I was kind of going, then he goes, hey, Phil, you know, we are going to show up. <laughs> and the way he's, okay, okay, okay. I mean, like, you know, he is. Look, he, I, I would have said to him, Bill, I know you think and every other coach thinks that they've invented football, but what, what? Made you think that you're going to give 72 million to a guy who's basically played on a team that had the best defense in football the last two years, the Denver Broncos, right. and he had some success, a little bit of success, but was taken out of the lineup with an injured Peyton Manning. Now I know Peyton Manning's personality and demeanor requires him to be on the field to be effective. So I understand why John, um, what's his name, Gary Kubiak, and everybody put Peyton Manning back on the field. I get all that stuff. But why would you, if you were the Houston Texans, think for uh, for the second that this is a good idea? Um, first off, who thought that with the Houston Texans? I think that's the first question you always have to ask. And desperation is a is an unbelievable thing. They were desperate. They were so desperate. So they wanted a quarterback. They thought that was going to be it. And they were wrong. They were wrong. It's Boomer and Carton. Mornings from 6 to 10 on The Fan. We get to welcome in a legend. Iconic in her sport. Iconic. If you want it, if you want headsets. No, you I'd rather not because my hair. Oh, oh my God. My so coif. This morning. My coif. And uh, we're just talking <laughs> off the air. And, you know, I, I just forget, you know, all the things that you've accomplished in your career and all the things that you have done for tennis and all the things you've done. Uh, you know, off the court for equal rights, women's rights, uh, LGBT rights, everything else. I mean, you are about one of the most accomplished people I can ever think of uh, coming in here in sports. It's an honor to have you in here. Well, it's great to be here. I was here last time. You weren't here, Boomer. Craig yeah. was here. Now he's not here. We got big. We got Phil, baby. So <laughs> this you, guy, you could tell us apart, right? Yeah, okay, I can good. easily. Yes. yes, one's left-handed, and one's right-handed. Oh, so easily. Go. <laughs> go. The other thing too is the last time I was in a room with you uh, was at the the Super Bowl down in Atlanta. Yeah, with Elton, huh? With Elton John. You, I didn't. Didn't realize you guys are really close. And oh, yeah, I, I, I knew it then. I found out that night how close you guys were. And, and I guess Elton has a place down in Atlanta. He still has a place. He has six places throughout the world. It's amazing, right? He's got he's two in the London area, and he's got uh, Venice, and he's got, uh, let's see, Nice, uh, L.A. Really? Wow. How many concerts have you been to? Whoa. I've got to be at least 500 or more. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Oh, we're tight. He wrote Philadelphia Freedom for me. Oh, my I played. I played team tennis, and the first year I was drafted... Um, I was the first draft choice of the league, actually, and I played. Philadelphia got me in the draft, and uh, he used to come and watch us play. And then he wrote, he says, I want to write a song for you. We're going to a concert one night. And I used to go with him sometimes, and he goes four hours early, everybody. That's why he's always on time. Right. And uh, he's such a perfectionist, and that's why he's still doing so well. Um, and he said, I want to write a song, and I didn't think I heard him. And then he said, no, I really want to write you a song. And he said, what are we going to call it? I said, I don't know. He says, how about Philadelphia Freedom? That's so awesome. I said, so he calls up Bernie Toppin, who does the lyrics. and says, right. Bernie, I'm writing a song for Billie Jean. And, of course, I knew Bernie by then. 
He goes, well, what am I? He said, just write something, you know, and it became number one and it crossed over into R&B and became number one, which made Elton really happy. The second year, I actually went, came to New York and played for the New York sets out at Nassau Coliseum. Then we moved to the city and we, we played as the New York Apples. And uh, it was, it, that's the reason I ended up in New York because I was in New York so much yeah. because of playing uh, for a New York team. And I'm sure maybe you guys, I don't know, but... I mean, that's why I'm here. Well, you're, you're here and you're going to promote, I know, the New York Empire. Yeah, the New York Empire is uh, part of, uh, of World Team World Tennis. World Team Tennis, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I've been doing this. I was a co-founder, and I believe in it so much because there's men and women on each team. It's tight. It's like, you know, you, you don't have to be quiet ever at Team Tennis. You just, you know, we want kids. We want we like it a little more raw. Right, well, I, 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 know I like team sports. I grew up in team sports. My younger brother played 12 years of Major League Baseball, Randy Moffitt. Randy with the, Moffitt. I grew up basketball, baseball, football. My mother made me stop playing American football. And I, you know, so it's really. Um, so you love team sports. I love I mean, team I, sports. One, I always yes. wanted, my former husband and I were in the library at Cal State LA where I went to college. And I, he said, you know, I said, I want tennis to be a huge sport. I want it to be a team sport. You know, he says, well, and I said, I want men and women on the same team, just like in life. And I'm like, you know, I've got this whole You're thing. Pushing, pushing, this is pushing, in the yeah. 60s, you know. So that's one of the. And then when a group of us, a huge group actually, started World Team Tennis since 74 was our first season. But I came here to New York, and that's why I'm, I'm in New York. Yeah, the amazing thing for me, though, for you guys, is that it's such an individual sport. It's got to be so lonely at times. You know, we hear about all the stories, the bickering in the locker room and all this other garbage. Actually, we don't bicker that much mm, in the locker but, room. But, but, but lately, this is what we're hearing. We're reading, it's all the sensational news stories about people who don't get along, whether it be Maria Sharapova and all the problems that she's had and all this other stuff. But the, the, the thing that I want to ask you is that why so much of a team sport person are you when it's such an individualized sport? Because I grew up in team sports, and my dad was was a basketball player and uh, I don't know my parents got along pretty well I think they were a great team as human beings and uh, I just like teamwork I like collaboration uh, sometimes it can be really disappointing because you don't have as much control right like I you know uh, the reason Roger Federer decided on tennis versus soccer is because he wanted to have full control so it's up to him and I do think playing an individual sport can teach you a lot of things about yourself but I also think in the real world, uh, relationships are about are everything, mm -hmm. and you learn how to get along. You don't have to like the person, but you you just have a common objective, and you can go out to dinner with them after, and that's it. And I think that's why every girl should be in sports, because she learns uh, the culture that we live in in business and everything. Men started it. It's their culture. You have to know how to navigate it, so it's really important. But when when I played you know, on, in, on, a, on a team, World Team Tennis, it was amazing how much I, I learned uh, just continued to learn because being on the bench with guys and just traveling with, together, men and women, and doing our laundry together, going to dinner together. I mean, those are things those you are just you, never you just forget. you can't forget them. And it's so funny. Anytime I see somebody that played with me in team tennis, like Ray Ruffles from Australia, we played mixed, and he still got his All Star ring on. And you know, it's just. You know, these are really special well, you're, moments. You're a four-time U.S. Open winner, and you know. I guess. Well, yeah. You. What do you mean? You. I guess? was more. I, I like my team, like winning Fed Cup. You know, I was going to ask you, I, the difference between uh, winning something close. so singular by yourself and doing something it's, that it's very so few lonely. people do. You know, you go it's out lonely? to dinner. Oh yeah, you go out to dinner. You won. Okay, I won three titles at Wimbledon. I'm out to dinner with my friends, and I'm thinking, my, even my doubles partners weren't there, and I'm like, this isn't what I want. Now, when I was on a world team tennis winning team and we got to dinner, that is fun. Or the yeah. Federation Cup. You now guys, Fed Cup, totally yes. Fed Cup. Yeah, Fed Cup I love because I represent my country. I, I feel like I represent my country every day, by the way, when I used to play. Right. Uh, you know, I'm responsible 
of what people think about my country and all that. So I think uh, it's important. No, but playing. It's kind of like the Ryder Cup. The way the guys react to the Ryder Cup and and yeah, but look look how much look how much more interesting that is. And they only do it every other year. I'm like seriously, right? Exactly. Uh, I mean, I would I would why don't they do that every year? They should team do tennis, it every year. Team well, they, do, they got the Presidents Cup in the off year. Yeah, I know that's the other one. I know, but it's forty. We're doing our. Uh, we have a Rod Laver Cup now. That Federer started this. Right. Like the Presidents Cup and so uh, Federer Cup. started. So Federer started that one. Yeah, he started that in honor of Rod Laver, which I think is great. But it's our forty second season in uh, in team tennis, which is what you. I think you're. Yeah, gonna I was going to ask you forty second year. Yeah. I didn't even realize. Now, so yeah, you're, 40, part the, you're, part, you're part of the New York Empire. Yeah, I'm part owner. Yes, absolutely. So how so how big are the crowds? Like you know, what kind of well, crowds? Just, are you guys this in? is a newish team, so okay. I don't know what they're going to be. And we're, we've changed venues, um, so we're the National Tennis Center for the first time this year. So I don't I don't know what we're going to have, and it's gonna, I figure it's going to take five years, but. You know, we're going to have Battle of the Burrows, and we've got the top seven guys playing in, in the league, but we've got John Isner the first night, you know, uh, so uh, I think it's important for Philly, and Sloan Stevens and, and uh, Young are going to be there. It's July 16th at 5 o'clock, and we're really fan-friendly. We're more like team sports, right? so uh, bringing everybody out, the kids. How many teams are there in There's World six Kingdom? right now, but okay. we just, okay, I used to own the league. We've sold it now to Mark Ein and... Washington, right. D.C., and to Fred Luddy and uh, San Diego uh, Aviators, who won the league last year. They have taken it over. We're Now we're going to go forward. We held off at six on purpose. We got rid of some owners and rid of some teams because mm-hmm. now we can expand properly. We kept the good owners. We did the right thing. And I, this has been going on for two or three years, these negotiations, so it's not like uh, it happened overnight. And we sold it to the people we wanted to sell it to. We had other people who were interested and uh, I'm 73 now. It's time to move on to pass the baton. And I for the for the and so now we'll go. We've had 16 teams as much as 16. You, you have been fighting since you've retired to to make team tennis like a big deal. Team tennis, I think, can help grow the sport too. Right. You know, kids like teams. You why do you think soccer, lacrosse, all these um, sports are growing? And I ask kids all the time. Um, like I have a women's sports foundation. I ask all the girls. We have over 100 sports. We try to help. And I ask, every time I ask the girls, why do you like it? Team is the first thing they say. And I keep telling tennis people, the governing body, I go, you guys, the team is how we're going to grow the sport. Now, you can dream about winning Wimbledon, but only one person can win that every year. But you've got to, you've got, the way we're going to grow the sport, I think, at the, at the local and national level is through team. And that's why we, you know, we, we uh, are with the USTA on that. We, we folded our our junior team tennis into with them years and years ago. Billy Jean King joins us here at Boomer Carton, and Phil Sims is in here as well. Uh, I got to ask you this because it's been uh, making the rounds, and I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times already oh, the last couple John? days about John Macaron, his comment, uh, you know, in his uh, interview with NPR. Uh, he, he's at, he's selling books right now, so I hope he sells a lot. But seriously. Right, but seriously, I mean, I, I I was saying that I think it's just the way that he delivered it. The 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 it seemed like the, he was trying to make a point by saying she wouldn't even be within the seven hundredth or top seven hundred players. We've never on the said we're side. better than the guys anyway, but I think she'd be better than seven hundred. But I I think uh, we've never the women can, the best women cannot beat the best men ever. So we never argued that. And if you go back to any of the women's quotes, everybody always quotes the men. Unfortunately, right. they don't quote us. The, our quote is, we're not as we're never going to beat them. We don't have the androgens that guys have. We don't have testosterone. You have bigger hearts. It's a deal. Physically, there's no question. So, so, so it, he's he's accurate, but 
the point being is that well, many we don't know say, if he's accurate, but he's trying to get a match with Serena. Okay, he's been yes, trying for fifteen years. Yes. Oh, really? Yes, yes, yes for fifteen in, years. For a million bucks, he wants to. And, no, no, at least. I mean, they'll make millions more than that because of things that'll happen around it. Okay, now wait, wait, because you did one of these matches, and I remember it like it was yesterday with Bobby. You're too, you guys are too young, man. No, no, no we but I mean, wait, but oh, do you think John McEnroe? Now, I've watched him play some of these tennis events. You know, the, yeah, like the older ones now? Yes, I see him every once in a while. Like he doesn't play team tennis anymore because he's not actually, he doesn't keep up as well. So he right. can't so keep up now. Could he beat Serena at this time? I don't know. Yeah. I, I but I think it goes back because Bobby Riggs beat Margaret Court back in the 1973. Right. Because he followed me around and I kept saying, I don't want to play. And then finally he put out, you know, he asked Chris Everett, Margaret, others. And Margaret said, yes, I'm going to play. It's $35,000. In 1973, that was a lot of money. money. And uh, so um, they played, and she lost. And we're only in our third year of women's professional tennis. So that's like being the third year of the NFL. Right. Uh, That was not a good look. So we're really working hard to, you know, and we're women, which we're, you know, it's a lot harder. And so it's like, (laughs) I'm going, and I said to Margaret, Margaret, you have to win. You have to win. Mm-hmm. And she lost. And then I thought, oh, I don't have a choice. And then I knew it was about social change. Title IX had just been passed the year before, mm-hmm. uh, June 23rd, 1972. So that was really, really was important. Was that in the Houston Astrodome? Yeah, Houston so Astrodome. Jerry Parencio, who just passed away, by the way. I went to, we, uh, Ilana, my partner, and I went to his service in L.A. And he's an amazing man. He actually promoted the Ollie Frazier fight in 71. Uh, and so, and then did our match. He was our promoter. And he was a fantastic guy. And if Bobby had beaten me, he had a million-dollar match going with Chris Everett. So let me ask you a question. Is that the most pressure you ever felt playing in a in a match? Well, it's a one-time shot. I told Bobby I'd never play again. For so many reasons, yeah. I would say with only one match and not being able to like, let's say you lose at Wimbledon or U.S. Open, you go, okay, next year I'm going to go get them. No, you can't do that. And I knew that, so I would probably say yes because and then the the story of, of all the social change aspects and. And Title Nine, and you know, women could not even get a credit card in 1973 on her own mm. without a male signing, co-signing. You listen to Billie Jean King, and she joins us here for a few more minutes. Uh, you know, thinking about that, then all of a sudden, after that, comes all the conspiracy theories. Oh, that, that was ten. That was like 25 right, years that later. He, that he threw it, and all this other stuff. Yeah, Did let, you ever feel that way when you were playing him? Absolutely not. I know. We know if someone's tanking, we call it or not. Uh, yep. He did not tank. He was, uh, I think he he said it all when he jumped over the net and we shook hands and put our arms around each other that he said, I really underestimated you. Well, he wouldn't tank because that took money out of his pocket. Well, if somebody's, there were, Correct. There were, there were, yeah, but there's theories because, this, yeah. but this guy was trying to sell a book, whatever his he name owed is. money to the mob and all this stuff. That's other not stuff. true. Yeah, but who knows? But oh. that's No, no, no. I know Bobby. Let me, let me ask you no, no, no. I know it's family. Me. No. That's not true. It's okay. not Bobby. Let me just, you, you said so many interesting things. And, and of course, it kind of correlates to what we did in our lives. Team tennis, you know, sharing it with all your teammates, the joy of winning, the even when you lose, there's something it to it. It takes the edge off, actually. It, it really is. And there's nothing like it. I always say there's nothing like celebrating something I with agree. a group. So, I agree. And I can imagine you win Wimbledon, and yes, oh, that's just. Well, you did win 39 Grand Slam titles. No, it doesn't so you matter. Some joy. That's not but, what's important. But I know, just listen to you talk. It, there is some, like you say, you tell all young girls and women to make sure you play team sports and play so sports. much to learn from. So I think it's to good to play both, actually. I think it teaches you some unbelievable things. 
as you, by yourself, when the, the buck stops with you, the whole time is good, too. But in team tennis, we have five sets. We have two sets of singles, which there you go. If you like, And we have three sets of doubles, and it's cumulative scoring. So every game counts. It's not like, oh, we win the set, so we get a point or something. It's every game equals a point. Mm, right. So you got to keep the spread really tight in each set. It's re- And, you know, as far as the strategy, we have coaching, just like you guys had in the NFL. You know, we have it all, and it's the way it should be, but... You know, I mean, uh, I mean, you won two Super Bowls. Jeez, Louise, you were MVP in the what? The twenty Super Bowl twenty one and twenty five. You guys won. Beat the, when you beat the Bills by one point in that one or whatever, and yes. then and Wide then Lefty right. over here. Yes. Well, we lost our Super Bowl, Billy Jean. But I we're know, but talk I'm not going that. there. I didn't go there. But I will say you this: did. One I just of, said one of Lefty, greatest, and yeah. you were you were you know watching you guys was amazing. Well, tell me about the crowds, so though. You said something about the crowds are cr- so different. Why, the crowds get... We, we, you let them... We, we let them go, like, to a basketball game or to a football game. Just go. Just, so they don't have to be quiet? No, just this. be. Just oh be. I want, you be. To, I want you to share in this experience. You know, I want you to be right there with us, just like in any team experience. Yeah. It sounds great. No, you, it's you great. Yell, yell and we're going to have guys serving, and yeah, I don't. We don't care. Just, I will say this, Billie Jean. You may be seventy-three years old, but you haven't lost your fastball. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Thank uh, you. All sorts of dates I do and have times. Lots of uh, if you just uh, check it all out, you can go to World Team Tennis. You can find out. You can exactly. go to wtt.com or right. you can go to nyempiretennis.com. And you guys are playing all through the month of July. It looks like I'm looking yeah. at your schedule just right seven here. Seven home games. Come on out. The first ones. July 16th, 5 p.m., Sunday night. So come back. for If you're on a trip, come back by 5, but we're getting you ready for work tomorrow morning. So uh, it'll be great. But I think you'll... uh I think you'll enjoy it. And, you know, we've got Jeannie Burchard on the, on the 28th. John Isner, yeah, got, Marty Fish. we got Jeannie actually 27th, wow. 28th. The first match will be on ESPN, uh, the July 16th match. And uh, it's, it's great. And we were on MSG locally, and we have streaming, and we got a lot of things. Well, i got to ask you, do, do you still play a little tennis every now and then? No. I played once this year for no. 10 minutes, and I loved it. No, that's my goal, to get back playing. Oh, Boomer, did you ever play tennis? <laughs> I, I did yeah, once, I see, once or twice. I think you played. You said yes, you Yes, I played I once played or twice. I played a lot of tennis. Yeah. Do you? A lot. Yes. When tennis, you know, when I got in the NFL, it, golf hadn't took taken off, and I played I'll bet you during the off season I would play 40, 50 times. Really? Yes. Yeah, it's a great exercise, great. right? Yes. Yeah. But he yeah. doesn't do anything anymore. He's just basically shut the whole thing down. Yes, that's right. I have. I don't know if you have to take a good look at him when you <laughs> I walk saw out your here. golf swing on the TV. Yeah, not very you good. You have a nice one. Well, no, it's good. Right. Thank you very I much. I thought it was excellent. It. Very good timing. You know what? You can and you come square back. it up to the ball at contact point, which is everything. That's exactly right. I mean, if you don't square up to the ball, it's the same with the racket and the Billy, ball. Billy Jean, same with be- baseball. Don't, don't say nice things about him. Okay. All right. We're going to keep you guys. I want you both that big head. It's fine. Thank you so much for coming Anyway, thank you for. And, Thank you for uh, having we'll, me. We'll, put, we'll make sure we pop it for you. It's uh, World Team Tennis, and it's yeah. New York City Empire. It's New York Empire. New York Empire. Tennis.com. That's right. New York the court, Empire. The tennis.com. If you can't remember that, go to WTT.com. It has all our teams, and go to you know the New York Empire team. That's awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Billy. All right, 9, 10 on the fan. Thanks for having me. It's You're great welcome. to see you guys. It's Boomer and Carton. Mornings from 6 to 10 on Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Seventeen on the fan. Big thanks to Billie Jean King coming in here. She's great. By the way, Eddie, I don't know if you were paying attention to that because sometimes you get bored by our guests. That was not a guest you should get bored by because she's got so much energy. And I mentioned to her, I said, I think you should be like a talk show host. She goes, I'd love to come in and do this. Oh, boy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she totally could handle it. She she knows. We were talking a lot off the air. I mean, she follows all sports. 
And I, I really, and I think you believe her too, Booger, yes. that she likes team tennis more than the individual she part does. of it by far. Yeah, and you know all the all the things she's trying to accomplish. She's she's an amazing, amazing person. Everything she's done in her life, and she's trying to you know promote tennis still. All sure. these years later, she's all about promoting the sport she loves so much. But she wants to do it through team tennis. You know, they which need I think it. is great. They need it. I think I don't know. I, I wanted I, to ask her I about American tennis. American like, where is tennis it? is right. Where is it? Why it, it's Serena and Venus is what it is. Yeah, there was a good story I saw on TV recently about. Um, American male tennis player. I think he's 17 or 18, just turned pro. He was His dad was working in the complex, and he was playing with broken rackets or whatever, one of those type of stories. Yeah, and yeah it's, too, it's too bad that uh, it's it's a little bit down right now, but Wimbledon starts next yeah. week. Uh, World Team Tennis uh, here in New York will play over at the uh, Arthur Ashe uh, Tennis Center, so it's going to be great, and, uh, and, and Billie Jean will be right there front and center with all the energy. Now, before we got, had Billie Jean on here, I was talking to you about the Jets, and I was asking you about the potential for them to have not only a high draft pick, maybe maybe having the number one overall draft pick, given the fact that they're kind of trying to figure out their own quarterback this year. I don't like to use the word tank because the guys in the uniforms, the guys coaching, are not showing up to tank games. You know, uh, no. and 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 you know, the writers can write whatever they want. Fans can say whatever they want. They can do as many polls as they want. The players, the coaches, the general managers, uh, the people that are over there in that building. I think that probably realistic. Knowing, look, we don't have Tom Brady, we don't have Aaron Rodgers, so therefore, it just gives you conventional wisdom that we're not going to win. But we're not going to ever utter the word tank. And, you know, they even asked Sheldon Richardson, you know, are you guys tanking this year? And he goes, well, not on my watch, we're not. I well, mean- no, every team, Boomer, did you ever go, listen, I played on a team in 1980. We were horrendous. I didn't know what our record was that year. But in training camp, I, I was thinking as a player, and I'm sure you did the same thing, well, it's going to fall together, and we're going to do this, and it's going to work out. So the Jed players – you know, in their hearts, believe it's going to work out. They're going to find a way to overcome the fact that they let some good players go. I don't know why, but is it maybe just it was strictly, to save money, and maybe it, it was just to get people out of the building. Maybe it was just people well, Eric, uh, being put on notice. Who knows? Wait, but wait, okay. But David Harris and Eric Decker are not troublemakers. They're team players. Good guys. They would be good. Okay, you don't have to just make a transition. Oh, we're going to go completely with young guys and get rid of these. Hey, the quality. Give your quarterbacks. Help them by keeping a guy but like does your, Eric but, the, but does your owner, who is now the ambassador to Great Britain, does he say to the general manager, "Look, if we're not going to win, why am I paying these guys this kind of money?" Well, is that is that the reason why you would get rid of people like this? I don't know. I don't know. I I, I hope not because that that should not be the reason. I know the Tennessee Titans who picked up Eric Decker are pretty happy about it, and I know the New England Patriots who yeah. picked up David Harris are pretty yeah, happy and about they, it. They just pick people up just for the meanness of it, right? Yeah. So they see a role for David Harris. And they see the amount of money that they want to spend for that role, and I, he's willing to take it, and he's willing to do like what a Darrell Rivas is doing. He's not well to be or different. Did, I should he's say. going to go up there and have a specific role, and that's what they do. And David Harris won't be on the field for as many plays as he was with the New York Jets, 
but he's going to have a, a specific role, and that's all he'll have to do. And it'll be much easier on him physically, and he'll do it well. And if he makes the team, which I we both believe he will, and that's why you would sign a guy like him to to go up there and to to, to fulfill his role. Uh, I could see us in Minnesota for for the Super Bowl interviewing David Harris, what it's like to play for Bill <laughs> Belichick, as opposed to playing for the New York Jets and some of the stuff that they've had to deal with down here. Now, saying all of that, go there ahead. are a number of quarterbacks out there. It seems like uh, a lot of people. I say a lot of people. Well, I talk about you fans. Ask, well, wait, before you ask, just say this. The Jets are hoping that they have the answer at quarterback. Well, if they there. want the guy that they have there. Or the they guys got that a second-round draft pick in Christian Hackenberg, who they have sitting there. And the year before, Bryce Petty was, I think, a fourth. Fourth, yes. So they got two young quarterbacks that they spent draft picks on, and I would think they were – that's what this is about. Well, they want them to win. They, they want them to do well. They get want them in position. Right. Get one of these guys in the game, whoever deserves it, and they hope that they come through and they have a so-called franchise quarterback. All right, well, let's face it. This is not the Dallas Cowboy team that Dak Prescott's no. getting behind center with. Well, so it's going to be a much difficult uh, transition for both of these young players, as we saw Bryce getting hurt last year. So now let's just let's just assume, because this is what we do here on talk radio, that things don't go well for the Jets, and right. they do have a, a, a one or two overall pick in the draft next year. Because I think most people would forecast that as they look at what's going on here, the players that they've gotten rid of, the players that they are now are counting on, uh, the young players are going to be playing prominent and important in roles like their, like their draft picks. And uh, let's just assume they're going to have another high, high pick in next year's draft. Right. So that would lead you to believe that if you were under that assumption that a quarterback is going to be in the offing. Sure. Well, look, if the Jets don't do what they are supposed to do, if they don't have a great year or a good year or whatever, they're going to draft a quarterback. Okay, we let me ask that. you a question. Are the, are the uh, Patriots better than the Jets? Yes. Are the Dolphins better than the Jets? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Are the Houston Texans better than the Jets? Yes. Are the Indianapolis Colts better than the Jets? Mm-hmm. Are the Denver Broncos better than the yes. Jets? Are the Raiders better than the Jets? Yes. Are the Kansas City Chiefs better than the Jets? Okay. All right, going. so one of my point being is that— You left one out. Who's that? The Buffalo Bills. Are they better than the I Jets? I think on paper the Buffalo Bills are better. How about the Los Angeles Chargers? They have Phillip Rivers. They're, they're better. better. Okay, so the point being is that— Go. If they're going to they're gonna have a high draft pick Okay, year. yeah. So, so a lot talk- of fans saw Sam Darnold take over for— uh, you know the U, uh, USC Trojans last right. year, and he had a great, great year. Great year, and he had a great um, a bowl game. So everybody assumes after that game is over, that's who the Jets need to have as their quarterback. Yeah, that that's all it's written everywhere. He's the guy. He's the Heisman Trophy favorite right now, and all this stuff. And I just. I have not watched just what I see on TV and what I read a little and what I know from what people tell me who see these guys in person. Right. That uh, that he'll be the first pick of the draft. Okay, so here are some names I'm going to give you. And because I know that you love this stuff, you eat this stuff up. You know, you watch throwing films and giant, you know, uh, you know, uh, mini camp right, films. Right, don't and also beat the me crap. up. Come I don't on. Know. All right, so let's let's start with Sam Darno. Uh, do you think? I mean, I don't even know if he wants to come out next year. Oh, he's coming out. You think guy. he's coming out? Absolutely. Next year. He's going to be, uh, I think, a redshirt sophomore. So that means it's his third year. He'll be eligible to come out. He's the hottest thing out there in college football, besides maybe Lamar Jackson, the quarterback at Louisville. And we'll see. I'm not like, wow, this is you know, he's really good, plays the position well, but. Almost every USC quarterback plays that position well out there. Yeah, but his Rose Bowl performance was it what was caught, captured everybody's attention. Yes. And, All right. But let's just see. I, I just 
If you said to me, will he be the first pick of the draft right now? I would just go, no, he won't be. Because I think there's other quarterbacks out there that are absolutely as talented as him that could be the first pick or be picked before. All right, how about his crosstown rival, Josh Rosen at UCLA? Well, the one thing, a really good friend of mine saw Josh Rosen work out, and he says, look, he really is throwing it. He can really throw it. And I said, well, it doesn't come across to me that way on TV, but that's why you got to be careful to watch it, see him in person. How but big he, is he? Josh Rosen, they say he's 6'4", 220. He does not look that to me. So all these heights and everything, they weights they put on him, he, he looks like to me he needs to gain a little weight like Jared Goff did. Uh-huh. And, he, you know, he doesn't look – you know, he's not really athletic right, so, yet so, either. So, so here's my point. Uh, you know, the Rams take Jared Goff over Carson Wentz. Why? I don't know. I have no idea why that would be the case. Um, well, take go- Davis Webb. But it just go yeah. But it just goes to show you that just because you take a guy first overall in the draft doesn't mean he's going to turn out to be the next Peyton Manning. Right. Right. And and then and the yeah uh, the, the questions abound still about Jared Goff and the Rams. All right. How about this kid? Now all of a sudden this kid is burst on the scene. Everybody's talking about him, and this is this kid, Josh Allen from Wyoming. Wyoming, yes, he. Wyoming. When people watch him and they see him in person, they're just oh, they're over the top. How big is this kid? He's a big kid. I think he's about six five, two twenty five, two thirty. I think like he's all that big now. They're, 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 it's almost every one of them. This group has got great NFL size. But Josh Allen, I saw him play twice last year. Didn't have great games. Plays for the University of Wyoming. Of course, he's playing in cold weather. It's wind. His team is not that good. They did get to a bowl game. I think they lost to BYU. I'm just guessing off the top of my head. But he's one of those guys that can move big, can move, can throw on the run, make all those those difficult throws. And he's the guy to watch that could come out of nowhere in North Dakota State's, that staff left a year ago, went out to Wyoming now, so he's going to be running the Carson Wentz offense somewhat. Okay. So he's going to be a little pro-style, learn that. That's going to help him in... So they left North Dakota State to go to Wyoming. That's like a, a that's a step up, right? Okay, so yes. um, let me ask you this question. You're at the draft next year. We're all sitting there. The Jets have the number one pick. And Sam Darno's sitting there. Josh Rosen's sitting there. Josh Allen is sitting there. These are the three guys that I'm just talking about now. I got three more for you. And they say, we're going to pass on all three of those guys, and we're going to take this guy, Tanner Lee, out of Nebraska. What? Yeah. Could you he? imagine the Jet fans' reaction to the, uh, taking uh, this kid, Tanner Lee, from Nebraska? And why would I even throw his name out? Well, there? first off, when the time comes, whenever that first pick is, whoever it is, even if it's a surprise, everybody's going to know everything about him. And yes. I knew about Tanner Lee coming out of high school down in Louisiana, went to Tulane because they thought he was going to be running the the New Orleans Saints offense. Well, they might have been, but they just didn't have any players. Okay. So he really got beat up. I, I saw, I just, I don't know why, they were always on TV, Tulane, at night. At late at night, yeah. So I'd watch him. He transferred to Nebraska. I watched him play in the spring game. He's the, he's a real talent. There's no question. He is an NFL quarterback. You can see it already. Very good arm good size, and moves well enough to get it done. The only reason I know about this guy is because, number one, Dave Remington works for me. Right. Uh, was uh, you know the most celebrated player in Nebraska history, most likely, with all the awards and everything he's won. So he knows all about Tanner Lee, but also Billy Devaney. Bill Devaney, yes. He's right. Now so a, who's a, who was a personal guy for the, for, the Ram, uh, for the Falcons, I believe. Used to work for you guys at CBS. At CBS, and... 
says this kid has got everything that a professional quarterback needs. Well, I will say this. Now, don't forget, here's the other great thing about guys like this, like a Tanner Lee. Now, I, I don't know if he'll come out. If he has a great year, then he'll come out. But if he doesn't, he can stay an, an extra year. But I watched their spring game at Nebraska, which you was did? pretty – Yeah, there were 70-some thousand people there, which was unbelievable. Watch the spring game. But Mike Riley is the coach. Yes. And, and Mike Riley's a pro coach. They run a pro offense – now Tanner Lee had a terrific game, but I got to tell you, every quarterback that went in there really looked good. <laughs> they really, so, yeah. yeah, they did because right. look, they're training them to be pros. That's he, what Mike Riley does with quarterbacks. All right, and then you have two other guys, Lamar Jackson, of course. Of well, we know all about him, and, and, and Bobby Petrino uh, apparently said you are not allowed to run one single time in spring football. So they wanted to learn him to stay in the pocket, throw the football more. Because like he, he wore down last year at the end. He wasn't near as explosive at the end. Too much running uh, for for any quarterback, no matter who you are. All right. And then, of course, Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Very good arm. Underrated. He was up for the Heisman last year. Good athlete. Yep. You know, I hate you know I hate that word. He, he's just a gritty, tough little dude. Of course, he was down there with Patrick Mahomes and Davis Webbs, who's with the Giants. They were all down at, at Texas, Texas Tech, Tech together. and then they all left. They all and how they, did they all end up going to the same place at the same time and then leaving? That they. They didn't do enough a good enough scouting job of knowing who was there. You when know, they the went amazing down thing there. is what I don't know about you when you were at Morehead State, but when I got to Maryland. I was the 11th string quarterback on the depth chart. They actually wrote my name in on the depth chart. There were 110 guys on the team. That's amazing. And I'm like, so these guys were all on the same team together. They all recognized that there was only going to be one of them that was going to make it. And whoever plays is going to play well. Because every one of them, when they play, they put up great numbers. And then, and, and so hence, that's why they all yes. basically leave. They all found their way and. The difference was Patrick Mahomes is just uh, he was just more talented than the other two. Just physically, physically more talented. Right, but they, they ran said, a, they ran a little bit of a different offense. I thought what I've seen at Texas Tech, he got to be aggressive, like I told you earlier, and threw the football down the field. It wasn't the oh let's throw a bunch of bubble screens. They didn't do that at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes. Well, what are you hearing about uh, Davis Webb at the Giants? What are they telling you about what they've seen so far in the OTAs and everything else? It's it's all good. It is. I mean, they like the kid. You, you you know, you're big into this. You know, he did. He's a quarterback. Good. Okay, he's a quarterback, and he's six five. I liked him. And, you know, I don't want to make headlines of that. But I liked him just as much or more than I did Jared Goff the year before at Cal. Okay. He transferred in for that one year, probably said and, and played one year. I thought he didn't quite have the supporting cast that Jared Goff had, but moved around well, uh threw, made a lot of big throws, threw under pressure, got hit and you know, at Cal, it's kind of like Arizona State, Texas Tech. You got to score sixty-five to win the game, right? And you're, and you're going to be the guy that's going to be front and center. And supposedly, you know, everything you hear about him is that he's really taken to Eli. Eli's been good to him. Sure, uh, he doesn't want to overwhelm. I love what he said. I don't want to overwhelm Eli. You know, with my problems. You know, he's got to deal with his own stuff. And well, uh, seemed like he was a, a mature kid saying the right things. Wow, look at these these numbers at Texas Tech and Cal. You know, the other thing you look at the Giants. Now, Ryan Nassib, the backup last year, the Giants with Eli Manning, you know they're going to keep Davis Webb, and Josh Johnson and Geno Smith are fighting for the other job. I guess they're going to keep three quarterbacks. They're not going to let, you and I argue about this, they're not going to let Davis Webb, no matter what he does, he is not going to be the backup for a team 
that hopes to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me just say you something about that. Deshaun Watson's going to be the backup. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the backup. Most likely, Mitchell Trubisky will be the backup. They'll all be backups. They're rookies. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott was not starting at the back as the backup, but because guys got injured and everything else, they had no choice but to throw him in there. Well, he he, he yeah he worked. He got lucky. He got this. in there. The Giants are a team that, if in fact something did happen to Eli Manning, I believe the Giants have a good enough team to support a young player like this. All these guys you're talking about being a backup have one thing in common. What's that? They're number one draft picks. They're in the first round. It's well, Dak Prescott thing. wasn't a number one no, draft that's pick. A dip- he had to have injuries that drive him up the depth yeah, but I'm chart. I'm just going to say that could happen. It- you know, and, and sooner or later, these kids got to play. And you know what? When they transfer all around all over the place, and they're playing at Cal, and they're playing... You know, wherever it may be, Wyoming or North Dakota State, you know, football's football. And these kids, either they have it or they don't. And you just said, he's got it. He's got that part of it. Well, that's what they say. And I, I do believe it. You can kind of see it when you, I kind of saw it when I watched him play at Cal. You know, he was well taught. Uh, you know, he's a big kid. He's got attitude. He's got personality. Yeah. Now, listen, you know, Johnny Menzel didn't, I always thought Johnny Menzel was this short guy, chip on his shoulder, and had a big personality to uh, make up for the lack of overall height and talent and strength. And so, therefore, you're, you get enamored with his personality and the way he plays on the football field, and he's a poor man's Fran Tarkenton or whatever the hell you want to call him. But at the end of the day, does he have what it takes inside to go and play on an NFL football team? As you and I both know, that's not easy. That's not easy to find that personality. Well, of course, he didn't have – he proved that in college he was not that guy. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people this. Yeah, he did a lot of great things, and I'm t- taking nothing away from him. But if I'm not mistaken, either – Four or five of his offensive linemen were number one draft picks. So that that had something to do. He was, you know, Mike Evans was the wide receiver yes, he was I throwing know, yeah. to. Sure. And another good wide receiver on the other side who I think had concussion problems and didn't go to the NFL. So it, it, that's why his senior year, it kind of wasn't quite the or not his senior his last year as good as the year before because they lost some of these talented guys. I will say this, meeting Patrick Mahomes when he came in here, uh, I really felt like he was a serious, dead-on kid about playing football. I just felt that way. Well, his dad's a professional athlete. He kind of yeah. His gets mom was it. saying, he "Goes yeah." I was watching my kid out there running, chasing down fly balls when he was five years old. Yeah, think he was going to get hit by a major league fly, fly ball at the age of five. He's so, six. He's six two. I do read all these things about you, you know. Dude, all that the, kid was put together, man. He yeah, was he's like, put together. Oh. But all the code words, you know, nobody that people use when they talk about players. The Chiefs were not using code words. Man, he's throwing it. He's throwing it great. And, yes. You know, I didn't hear these things about some other quarterbacks that I was looking for that they were really just going out in the field. Everybody's going, wow, he's good. Yeah. You know you know how that is. When you're a high draft pick, you want them to go on the field, and you want them to shine right away You want them to physically. blow you away. Right, exactly. Yes. And he did in Kansas City. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.